Jason Lamb, former Kansas City sportscaster. He has now made his way to Springfield, Missouri, to KY3 as the new sports director down there. And, and I got a chance to work with Jason Sum with a Uclick TV in Kansas City. So excited about his new chapter there in Springfield. And so we're going to get a chance to talk to him about that, as well as the uh, Super Bowl that's uh, coming up on Sunday between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll be talking about that game throughout the show. And uh, Coach Bo going to join us later on for Coach Bo's Football Fix. Plus, we'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well. So thank you all for making us a part of your day. Tom, always good to chat. Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, this week been very good. I've been counting down the days in the Super Bowl. But this week got a little bit better when I got word that uh, we're going to have the EA Sports College football video game back uh, coming up, it sounds like in 2022, they're going to give us some time. But that was like the news we've been waiting for for like five years, it seems. Yeah, it did. I mean, it's it's been, you know, I follow bring.back.ncaa on Insta, and they had it counted at 711 days. And that was 710 days too long. Um, Jones, I know you play. I still play. I still haven't done. There was an also a, a thing on Instagram where they had literally hacked the game and made their own, updated the jerseys, the stadiums, everything. It's called College Football Revamped. I've yet to do it, but you they were so good about downloading new rosters yeah. um, that I've been playing uh, the 14 copy since I got my hands on it um, because originally I had it and I lost it or I sold it or something thinking they were going to make another one. And then I realized, Oh, there's, you know, all these people making these still making these um, rosters for this and making a complete game each and every year, all the way down to the stat lines. And they had a spreadsheet, you know, if this player ran a certain time in the 40, then you attribute them this speed stat or however many catches they're catching was this. Or, you know, it, they had a whole graph for it. It was perfect. Sure. But I didn't realize they did that, so I looked up how much the game was going for. It was going for 50 bucks used. And so a place in my in Bartlesville had it, and so I grabbed the copy. I only had a PS4 at the time, so I also had to buy a PS3, uh, rebuy a PS3. And, and so I spent $150 to literally play this game. Um <laughs> And still play it on the reg. And I'm not much of a gamer, but that one game always sticks with me. So I'm ecstatic. So, Tom, uh, I still have my Xbox 360 because one of the things I do is I never get rid of game systems. Um, I'll still every once in a long while get out the original Xbox and play that from time to time. Get out like ESPN NFL 2K5, which may have been the greatest video game of all time. Um, T.O. on the cover and all that. Um, but I still play NCAA Football 14, and I love it. I got the updated rosters. Um, you know, sure, the ESPN graphics are, are old and such, but I still rather play that than I would play Madden. I mean, the Madden games that they've been putting out suck. I mean, it's not the way the gameplay should be. I mean, it, it is – Madden – 
has not lived up to the reputation of, uh, of the product they were putting out there for so long. And so I find myself going back and playing NCAA, putting the new rosters in uh, and doing that. Just the other day I was, uh, I was playing uh, like Clemson versus Ohio State and such. And so, yeah, I love – I love it, and I'm thrilled that we're going to see the game come back in some way, shape, or form. And what it sounds like is that uh, they're going to operate as if the name, image, and likeness thing uh, isn't available yet because they're still working on legislation. A lot of that stuff's over our heads and such. And so, you know, you're going to have random player names and, and all that. But the main thing is, Tom – with the access of just importing rosters, I don't need name, image, and likeness. I don't need the rosters automatically on the game. I can go download that from the internet somewhere. That's fine. You give me dynasty mode. You let me go try to get the Heisman Trophy. Um, you know, give me a game with the college football playoff with the right teams and the right conferences. I mean, that's all I ask for is just a major, you know, just some updates of some sorts there and and that alone will be will go a long way i mean they, they don't even need to change much of the gameplay from ncaa 14 that's better than what they're putting out with madden right now you do those things oh my gosh i would pay tom i kid you not and you know i i'm i'm a middle class guy um i have no shame in saying this and i hope ea sports isn't listening to this part if they made that new game a hundred bucks Sign me up. I'll be there day one, and I'll pay a hundred bucks to buy that game. Oh yeah, I'm right there with you. I would, I would probably even pay more than a hundred if it, you know, came with just everything already on it. Like the, the rosters will be there. They're going to pretty much. I think the smart thing would to do is to keep the same gameplay, update the jerseys and the rosters, and the um, in conference right, and the and the, obviously the college football playoff, and make it completely customizable. As much right. as you can possibly want. They should even have Team Builder on there. They need to take the recruiting back, the recruiting style back to like 2012 um, or whatever one where you had to like go and like on, you know, build your own player and go through high school and then college. Yeah. Where you had to like pass, you had to like pass little tests like in class to be eligible for the game. <laughs> Bring that all back. Um, and, you know, just make it completely customizable and I'll pay over a hundred bucks for it. Oh my gosh. I'm so ready and so excited for this. This was the news that we've been waiting for, for how long to see this game finally make its way back. Um, I could not be more excited uh, for this to be the case. And, you know, if you make the playoff expandable, add in the transfer portal. Um, there's so many things. That's the, that's one one aspect of this, Tom, is since this last game was put out, college football has completely changed. It, it's almost a different sport than it was when this game came out back in uh, 2013. Oh, I mean, so much has changed. I get why they can't just put one out and get one together by, you know, the fall. It's going to take a while. So next summer we're going to get it. And – you know, Jones, the great thing, I think the gameplay will be a lot, a lot of it will be the same. Um, but I think that, I think what will end up happening is all the players who already have the 2014 copy will just be going to town on it and uh, get real good. And those players should probably be 
you know, overtaking them. I mean, it gets it takes a while to get used to the option. And that's not something you just learn overnight on the game. Right. The option's difficult. I was always uh, uh, no huddle and a balance of run and passing, about 50-50 with a no huddle offense and try to score as many points as possible. And uh, one of my favorite moments ever on this show, Tom, um, and folks can probably go back and find this somewhere. I think it's still around. Um, a couple of years ago, I was covering the NCAA tournament, and uh, Brad Nessler, who was the voice of NCAA football, was, uh, was calling the, uh, the KU tournament games. It was when they went to the Final Four back in 2017. And we got, I got to interview him courtside, and it was for this show. And uh, we spoke to him, you know, 15, 20 minutes, something like that. And uh, I told him in the interview, I said, Brad, you're, you're the voice of my childhood. I grew up listening to you play NCAA football. And, uh, and he said, because uh, uh, Kansas was practicing right then and I was covering KU, he said, uh, so did, uh, he said, how many national championships did I call for Kansas for you? And I said, quite a few, actually. And, uh, and so that was cool to like have that moment uh, of Brad uh, acknowledging uh, of all my years uh, of winning national championships for KU, because I, I suffered through so much misery at Kansas football in real life that uh, I had to go to the virtual world. And thank you, Brad Nessler, for acknowledging those national championships happen. Right. That or speaking of who's going to be commentators, they got a uh, I'm having a brain fart, Jones, and I should know this, but I, I can't think of his name right now. Sports, college football. Oh, Gus Johnson. Yeah, they had. They should have Gus Johnson on. You know, uh, Tim Brando was tweeting about it, and uh, I I tweeted at him. I said, "Timmy B, we need you on the game." And he said, "Start the campaign." He'd love to do it. Um, Timmy B would be great. Gus Johnson. Um, you know, there's a lot of good options out there. Kirk Herbstreit has already said he wants to be back on the game again. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that they can go with this. I'm excited. Uh, it's my childhood. Um, I'm, I'm going to be 25 years old this year. I'll be 26 when this game finally comes out. Um, Jones, I, I think they should do game system or whatever it may be. I will do whatever it takes. I have no shame in admitting I will drop hundreds of dollars if I have to, to, uh, to, to play this next video game. They should Jones. And we've been deprived for so long. They should get all the, all the good commentators that want to come on and do this. All the good ones, none of the bad ones. Um, and they should, they should, you know, take like, you know, 12 commentators and just rotate. They should let you, well, they, yeah, they should let you, you know, pick who you want commentating the game. Like if you're in an exhibition match, they should let you choose, even if you have a commentator preference. And if you don't, you just click random. Right. I think they should do that. I mean, we've been deprived for so long. This better be bad as hell. (laughs) Your game better just kick every other game's ass. It has to. They can't. They better not mess this one up. It better not be a Madden rendition. I'll be so upset. I uh, I laugh my ass off, Tom, when uh, when you'd play this game back in the day, and if your team just sucked, or you played a team that was uh, really bad, uh, what would happen was uh, that this the game would then take away the commentators for you, as if the game wasn't on TV, and the, and you just played in silence. It was funny. 
Uh, but yeah, have that some- or they should make where the fans leave if the score gets too crazy. <laughs> you know, the, the, the student section should be able to disappear. Are they going to wear a mask uh, in the stands? Are we going to be uh, playing in empty stadiums and such? So Jones on the college football revamped. I don't know if you saw it. They have a COVID option that they put in there where there's only like so many fans spaced out or there's no fans at all. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> That's pretty good. By the way, too, one more point on this and then we'll move on. Um, the cover of who should be on it. Joe Burrow has said it's his lifelong dream to be on the cover. Kyler Murray has already said he wants to be on the cover. I've seen a lot of mock-ups of Trevor Lawrence. Um, this could be a lot of options. Maybe it's uh, maybe you do it like Sports Illustrated, Tom, and you have like six different covers, and then it depends on what region you are or something like that that you get the cover you want. Maybe that's how they do it. There's a lot of options. Uh, I'd love to see even like Johnny Manziel or something. He didn't get to be on the cover. I feel cheated that our last cover of this game was freaking Denard Robinson. He sucked. Right, that. And you know what I think they should do? Whoever wants to be on the cover, who has an actual say, like that, you know, is not just a scrub, but actually has some merit to actually being on the cover. I think they should, before they release the game, before they decide the cover, I think they should all make them play it. And then whoever wins in a little tournament gets to be on the cover. They could promote it that way. Uh, it doesn't need promoting by any means. Everyone who's anyone is going to play this game. Um, so like a, but, like a college football video game tournament, Joe Burrow and Tyler Murray face off in the final to be on the cover. That'd be legit. Exactly. I would watch that too. And then that way the, you know, the people can see some gameplay and, you know, just stream it or do whatever. I mean, that's what I would do. That'd be awesome. I'm excited about this. The college football video game coming back uh, next year, and uh, it's going to change our lives. And uh, I'm going to say bye to my family and my friends, and I'm going <laughs> to just disappear. Disappear. I'm going to go back to quarantine pretty much and just play college football uh, all day. We, we needed this game. We needed this game this year, or 2020. We needed it. Well, you know, uh, Big Cat from Barstool, he did uh, that Coach Doug's thing where uh, he went out and bought an Xbox and bought the game like you did, and then he streamed all his games on on, uh, Twitch and uh, and created a character, Coach Doug's, and he had over 100,000 people watching Doug's every night during quarantine. Uh, That was awesome. And uh, Coach Doug's, he, he brought the balls back to a national title, first time since 98, brought a title to uh, LSU and to Toledo. So, uh, you know, the video games where where Holy Toledo can happen. So, uh, here's to more national championships for uh, for KU and the University of Tulsa and all our uh, favorite, small, uh, you know, average or bad football schools. Uh, <laughs> exactly. In the future. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about this uh, Super Bowl. The Chiefs in the box squaring off coming up on Sunday. And, you know, that bye week was, uh, was brutal. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it was weird not having any football to watch on Sunday. They did something called the Pro Bowl celebration. There's nothing to celebrate about the Pro Bowl, especially a Pro Bowl not happening. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, we, we do have football this weekend, the biggest game of them all. And 
there's been an interesting development within the last few hours. We're taping this on Wednesday night. And uh, a barber for the uh, cuts hair for the Chiefs uh, was uh, in a situation where he was set to cut the hair of about 20 different Kansas City Chiefs players. And uh, he was in the middle of cutting Daniel Kilgore, the Chiefs backup center's hair, uh, when they found out that he tested positive for COVID. This barber. And uh, Patrick Mahomes was one of those that was supposed to get his hair cut. Uh, Kilgroy had a lot of fun changing his uh, Twitter avatar to him with just half a haircut. Um, but uh, Kilgroy, he's, uh, he's quarantining. Uh, but the other guys, it seems like they're not quarantining, that they're planning to play accordingly. But, um, you know, the, I think that if you're in the situation of the Bucks. You're looking at this and, you know, how good this Chiefs team is and you're just looking for any break you can get. And, I mean, even the Bucs don't wish COVID upon anybody. Um, you know, he, he, as much as you may hate Tom Brady and think he's the devil or whatever, Tom, I'm sure, isn't wishing COVID on anybody in the Chiefs. Um, but with that being said, I think it, it goes back to the Bucs looking for everything they can get, every advantage. Because um, it's going to take everything to beat this Kansas City Chiefs team. And we found out this week the Chiefs are going to have Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards Elaire and Sammy Watkins back. And, uh, you know, we don't know about D Rob, your fourth string receiver, if he's going to be able to give it a go. Because, uh, you know, he it was a close contact with COVID. But nonetheless, Byron Pringle's been just as good. But I think that's the thing. If you look for a, a key of some sorts of this game, um, something to look for. The, the thing that if you're Tampa Bay is you need help. Tampa Bay cannot win this game on their talent alone. Something has to go wrong for Kansas City. Now, uh, Tampa could force that wrong thing to happen, turnovers or something like that. Maybe there's uh, a COVID situation where someone's not available or um, – you know, maybe the Chiefs make some mistakes of some sorts, whatever it may be. Tom, that's what I'm looking at with this game is something has to go in the Bucks' way. And you look at, you know, the game against the Packers, they got off to a hot start. That was something that went in their way, the Packers starting cold. Uh, the game against the Saints, they forced, what, four turnovers? That was something that went their way. So, I mean, they have a track record of, of getting some luck of some sorts of their side. Um, but that's what it's going to take, essentially, Tom. For the Bucks to have a chance, something is going to have to go right that we don't expect. Right, like Chad Henney getting in the game. Is he good to go this week? Uh, yes, Chad Henney Hennessy is uh, on uh, on full alert. Okay, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be something if if that that's what it ended up taking? If uh, now I'll tell you what if if you know knock on wood. Patrick Mahomes is healthy, good to go. I wouldn't want it any other way. But for all intents and purposes, let's say that Chad Henney got in this game and won the Super Bowl, a la like Nick Foles. <laughs> would you – You we would have to – they would – Hennessy would have to then sponsor him. Oh, we would have to like pour one out for Chad Henney immediately. I'd pour like five out. <laughs> 
right. Um, it's going to take that type of thing. Um, I'll say that, Tom. If Chad Henney somehow ends up in this game, the Bucks will win. They're better than what the Browns were when the Browns were in that situation a couple weeks ago. Jones, what's the line? What's the what's the line for Chad Henney's Super Bowl MVP? Um, I can look. Uh, you you want to take a guess before I look? I'm saying, I'm saying probably plus ten thousand. Um, plus ten thousand. And you think about it. If he did get in the game, his uh, his odds would be pretty good at that point because he would have to. If he threw for know, a touchdown and it won the game, yeah. Right. I mean, it would just be a matter of if he can get in or not. Um, but if he got in, then, uh, then that would be interesting. As far as the uh, Super Bowl MVP goes, the, uh, the odds on that, Tom – um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, of course, is uh, your favorite for uh, for the uh, the MVP award. And uh, you know, here's uh, let's see. Give me one more second to, to find Chad Henney's odds. I will uh, I will look that up as we're speaking right now. But but along those points, something is going to have to go right for uh, for Tampa Bay that they you know would not expect. Tom, what would you say is the most likely events that could go Tampa Bay's way. I think it is. This team is, uh, you know, they're pretty decent at uh, getting turnovers. We've seen that the last couple of weeks. I think with with uh, not having Eric Fisher on the offensive line for the Chiefs, if I'm the Bucs, I'm putting all my cards, you know, shuffling everything, all, putting all my poker chips on trying to create turnovers and force pressure. That's going to be the thing that gives the Bucs the biggest chance, I think, is trying to force turnovers. It won't be easy. Patrick Mahomes only threw five picks this past year. But that's their best shot of trying to get something to go their way that shouldn't go their way, I think. What say you? Yeah, I think I think you're right. Uh, and Tom Brady cannot play like he did against the Packers. Uh, I mean, he obviously played good enough to win, but uh, three picks, that can't happen. I don't think it will. This is Tom Brady. I was even shocked to, for him to throw that many anyway. But um, – that's going to have to go in his favor. I mean, it's it's there's a lot that can happen um, that you know is going to go in Kansas City's favor or could. I think the Bucks, you know, we'll talk about this later on with Bo, but um, the Bucks have to they have to get to a hot start. I, I I think that's the only way you can beat the Chiefs is to get off to a really hot start and hope and pray that Mahomes doesn't do it like he's done pretty much every other game. Uh, you got to get out to a hot start, build the lead because you got to you got to build some cushion because the Chiefs are going to score the points. It doesn't matter how good your defense is; it really doesn't. Uh, that offense is probably the best that I've seen since maybe the I don't know '08 Patriots. I can't maybe since the greatest show on turf Rams. We're yeah. talking that good, uh, and it it doesn't. And and it's because it's you know pretty average you know times that we're not five years down the road we're going to be talking about this offense like the greatest show on turf like the OA Patriots like the greatest offenses in the NFL we're just I guess used to it now that they're that good um so we don't talk about it but you know obviously this is not going to last forever for the Chiefs and uh, I mean 
you, I say that, but, you know, players will leave, players will come and go. But uh, this is the prime of the offense, and we're going to be talking about this offense. So for the Bucks, they, they have no other option than to play flawlessly on offense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you're right about that. Uh, back to your question about Chad Haney's odds. Uh, I've checked about every sports book imaginable, um, and uh, no one is even offering a uh, line on a Chad Henney. Uh, no one is willing to put out that bet out there um, just because they don't want to put out the payout. Um, I, I, I'd put a dollar towards it. Right. Uh, what was the quote from Kevin on the office that uh, if you get 10,000 to one odds, you have to take the bet? Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, that's the truth. Like, you can get odds on Ryan Suckup the Bucks kicker before you can get odds on uh, Chad Hitty. What's uh, the odds for the suck up? Uh, plus uh, 12-5-0-0. Oh, yeah. That's pretty – that would be insane. Yeah. That would be quite the, quite the time. But, yeah, no one's taking that bet either. I'm sure there's somebody that's going to do it. Right. <laughs> Somebody be dumb enough. Not me. No. Um, but uh, with that being said, that, that's would be that'll be the Bucks game plan is to um, something has to go right that should not go right for them in order to to have a shot in this game. And we'll pick this game come up later on. But for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, on their side of things, Tom, um, I don't think you're going to see a team that comes out nervous that turns the ball over like they did this last Super Bowl. We've seen that this Kansas City Chiefs team from day one, since the parade last year, they made up their minds that, hey, they're getting back there. They're going to run it back. Their goal all season long has been to get back to this very point. And, you know, COVID-19 has been horrible on everybody, obviously. But I would say that the benefit for the Chiefs when it's come to COVID is they didn't really have time to celebrate this last Super Bowl. It's been all business. They didn't have the Super Bowl hangover. They weren't having the big, uh, you know, White House visits and parties like that. They were in quarantine like the rest of us. Um, They didn't have the OTAs. Their roster didn't change a whole lot either. It was right back to picking up from where they left off a season ago. And so you looked at this team. The thing that I've argued about the Kansas City Chiefs all season long has been that when it came playoff time, you were going to see a different team than the team that barely beat the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, you were just going to see something different. And we saw that against Buffalo, that when a time, when it was put up or shut up time, they played arguably their best game of the year. They stepped things up another notch. They cleaned things up. They, uh, you know, pulled some things out of the, the hat that we hadn't seen all year. I think that's what we're looking at again, is that they know what's on the line here. They've been here before. Um, in, in a sense, Tom, it, it almost seems like for this Chiefs team um, that, you know, looking back, I said that they didn't really have to celebrate last year. It, it's like that they're, they're going for the Super Bowl to get the chance to have that Super Bowl celebration of sorts they didn't get to have before last year. I mean, that, that uh, you know, COVID's been terrible. Don't get me wrong. But for this Chiefs team, it's, uh, I think it's actually helped them focus on this Super Bowl run. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, just because you didn't have the big parties and 
you didn't have the turnups. You know, I'm sure the first, obviously the first night, sure, um, or the first couple of weeks, but it wasn't a, just a season, you know, an off season long celebration like some of these teams do. Um, so I'm sure that that had to do something with it, and and just to keep the focus too. Uh, I think had, that had to have come into play. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's obviously worked out for them and, and they're, they are where they are and that could be, uh, you know, I don't want to take away from them, but that could very well be a potential, uh, reason that they are as good as they were last year. There's one element about this game, Tom, that, that still, I think has every Kansas city chiefs fan on their tippy toes, you know, that still makes them nervous. And that's still the Tom Brady effect. Um, you know, Tom Brady, what's been really impressive to uh, uh, Bridges is that uh, what we've seen from Brady over the last few years is that he doesn't necessarily even need to play that great to be effective. Um, we've heard from Bruce Arians that, you know, he lets Brady call a lot of the plays. And, you know, when the Patriots beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game a couple of years ago, Brady was audibling uh, at the line to run the football with Sony Michelle, and they ran it down the Chiefs' throats, and they ultimately won that game because Brady, you know, picked apart that defense of at the line of scrimmage just with his football IQ. It was one of the most impressive mind games I've ever seen without Brady having to steal the show himself. Brady is, you know, so unselfish. He's not trying to go out there and win the game himself. Brady's one of the smartest guys, if not the smartest guys out there. So with, with all that being said, that Tom Brady effect here uh, is that he does not have to be the best player on the field, but he might be the best mind on the field. And that's something that we can't uh, understate of some sorts, Tom. That's something that, that I don't think it's talked about enough. No, it doesn't. And and that's, you know, that's, he mentions he wants to play till 45. Well, he's one of the great minds and, you know, as long as he doesn't get banged up or, or hit, you know, he's, he's always not been just a super deep ball guy, even though we criticized Bruce Arians, you know, close to the beginning of the season because he wanted him to play like that. And it didn't work out. He's always been kind of a, uh, you know, over the middle undercut type guy. Uh, but it's worked out with him uh, for him. So, you know, his style of play, he doesn't need to bomb it downfield to, you know, he doesn't need to long ball you to death to get the job done. Um, he's always been kind of a, you know, always very accurate, but, you know, I'm sure his average throw isn't way up there. Um, but the man's got as many rings as anybody. So, you know. Who knows? He could play till 45. As long as his mind's sharp, he takes care of his body in the offseason. Kind of the same way LeBron does. Um, I mean, as an opposing team, as a fan of an opposing team, yes, I want Tom Brady to retire after this game, 100%. But <laughs> as, a, as, a fan, as a fan of football, I mean, hell, I don't see why not. If anybody can do it, it's Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that we can overstate that enough about just that Brady effect on this game is bigger than what Brady does himself. Just uh, the the impact that he has on the rest of the offense, what he gets out of them. And and we've seen that come big in close games. Um, you know, this, this stretch, I mentioned that 
that uh, AFC championship game, you know, the very next game, that Super Bowl, they won against the Rams. And, and Tom, you saw this firsthand. Brady didn't play great, but he knew how to attack the Rams and, and what they needed to do to win that game. Um, here in Tampa Bay with this team, he, he threw 40 touchdowns and only eight interceptions, which was fantastic, great numbers there. But the ability to adjust to say, hey, let's not throw the football down the field so much. Let's use our running backs. Make Leonard Fournette catch the football. Those things you cannot undersell of Brady's ability to be that coach on the field is uh, something to look about. Um, let's, uh, let, let's look at some more keys of sorts to this game. Um, you know, guys that, that have to play well, if you're Tampa Bay, um, I, I think, you know, the, uh, the great linebacker, Devin White, I mean, this guy has, has, to, has to step up. And he was phenomenal uh, there uh, against uh, the Packers. He had like 15 tackles. I would think, Tom, that, uh, that he's got to have a similar type of performance. He's got to put up, uh, you know, big numbers like that. And you're, you're going to have to see him take away Kelsey or something like that or get some pass rush of some sorts. I mean, they're, they're going to need some un, unsung heroes to do some things that we wouldn't normally think that they're capable of of sorts. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're going to have to figure out a way because and I said it before, Chiefs are going to score points. It's just how many points are they going to score? You, you, I mean, you have to you have to figure out a way to slow that down a bit. And like I said, get off to a hot start. You got to you got to hammer them. You got to figure out a way to to slow them down. And and that's I mean, it's pretty cut and dry, honestly, for what the Bucks defense has to do, in my mind. But um, yeah. It's easy, a lot easier said than done. Yeah, uh, I think that's for sure. Uh, it certainly is uh, easier said than done uh, as far as that goes. For uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, um, last year in, uh, in the Super Bowl, your unsung hero for them was Damian Williams. Uh, Damian Williams, you know, they call him playoff Damian. He was phenomenal, probably should have been Super Bowl MVP. And uh, the way that he played was just great. Well, now uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been dealing with, you know, the, the injury of sorts. He's had a decent rookie year, but he's not as good as what Damon Williams was at this point last year. Uh, Le'Veon Bell uh, has not been the player, I think, that the Chiefs, that, you know, the Chiefs thought that they were getting uh, out of him. I think, Tom, it's going to be important, you know, if, if you want to talk about how you if, – if there's one thing you can point to – that says this guarantees a victory for the Kansas City Chiefs that you could say that without a doubt doesn't matter to everything else. If the Chiefs run the football well, that's game over. That's it. Whether it's Bell or Edwards Elaire or heck, even Darrell Williams, Darwin Thompson, I don't care, Anthony Sherman, any of those guys, if they run the football well, heck, Patrick Mahomes, has shown that he's got some, you know, running ability of sorts. Uh, just don't run the option and go get yourself, you know, concussion again, Patrick. Uh, but with that, all that being said, if they run the ball well, then that is the where I say good night. There's no way Tampa can win at that point. That is the thing that that you turn out the lights and you know the party's over officially. We know that they're going to throw the football and they're going to put up points that way. But if the run game's there. 
Um, there's no answer for Tampa at that point. Yeah, I mean, I expect the Chiefs to be fully ready and, and firing on all cylinders. It's it's really going to have to be about can this Tampa Bay defense stop that or disrupt that or you know throw a, a, a kink in the kink in the in the gears there because if they don't, uh, I mean, Tom Brady can do it, but they don't want to get into a shootout with the Kansas City Chiefs. I promise you. Uh, Coaching-wise, Andy Reid and Bruce Arians, two of the best offensive minds in football. I like both these guys. Uh, Andy Reid, you know, last year's Super Bowl was about Andy Reid, getting him that ring, uh, getting one for Andy. Uh, He had had more wins of any coach in the postseason in NFL history without actually winning the Super Bowl. Bruce Arians, uh, this is his second head coaching job. Um, you know, he had a good run there with Arizona and then came out of retirement to take this Bucks job. Uh, they went seven and nine last year. He made some changes and they're here in the Super Bowl. Two very good coaches here. Uh, Bruce Arians, if you recall, was the offensive coordinator for the Steelers in Super Bowl 43 when, uh, when they won the Super Bowl and uh, did a great job with that Big Ben team there in Tampa. And uh, so that was you know, pretty cool. So Bruce Arians has coached on this stage as a coordinator, just not as a head coach. Um, you know, I, I would think, though, you know, coaching-wise, because we have seen Bruce Arians make some mistakes this year, some things that were questionable, they did learn from them. They got better. Um, you know, as much as I like both these guys, um, I do think Andy Reid is significantly better. He's got that money, that monkey off his back. Um, if you're making me choose head coaches who's got the advantage here, um, I'll take Andy Reid over Bruce Arians every day, Tom. Yeah, so would I. I mean, this is – Bruce Arians is capable, but, you know, Andy Reid's obviously been there and done that last season. So, I, I think a lot of the part of that is is – I think that's going to be huge. Um, and you mentioned the monkey off of his back. I, I think his nerves are going to be a lot more calm than Bruce Arians. Right. Doesn't Bruce Arians at times feel like a, a mess, like a, like a he, nervous Nelly? Doesn't it feel like he's like late for work half the time, like that attitude? Yeah, kind of does. I can see that. I can see that for sure. That's pretty funny, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I like Bruce. I think Bruce is a terrific offensive mind, but I'll get I'll take Andy Reid every day over Bruce Arians here when it comes to coaches. And and then too, um, you know, I like both these staffs. Um, you know, the Bucks have an all black uh coaching staff, I think, for the for the most part, at least their coordinators anyway. Byron Lefwich done a great job as OC. Um, you know, Todd Bowles, former Jets uh, head coach, is one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. Good coordinators. Um, and, uh, you know, for the Chiefs, Eric Bieniemy. Um, Eric Bieniemy should be a head coach right now. The fact that he didn't get any of these jobs is just ludicrous, just absurd. Uh, you know, Spagnolo, since he took over as defensive coordinator, has really changed that Chiefs defense and flipped them upside down here. Uh, when, when you want to talk about coordinators, I, I think it's a wash. Um, but I, I would think that, you know, there, there's got to be something, some, uh, some extra motivation of sorts maybe for, for the enemy that here he is. He's, he, 
I think he's about to be, you know, a two-time Super Bowl champion and still not have a head coaching job here. Um, when are people going to wake up and realize how good Eric Bieniemy is? I mean, like, uh, th- th- this guy is something special, and, and uh, I-, I-, I like those stats. I-, I don't think the coordinators are the difference here because I-, I think both these head coaches have done a good job putting these staffs together. Yeah, I think they, I think they have as well. And for you know, for EB uh, Harold Koontz, our friend Harold Koontz tweeted out, or you know, he'd ask him a question about. You know, is he – I don't know if he said if he's upset or disappointed or kind of like, man, what the hell. I don't know how Harold put it, but he put it in a way that, that EB said back. He just said, you know what, we got a job here to do in Kansas City. And and so, we, you know, as a team, as a team player, as a coach, we got one thing on our mind, and is that that's the win. And then everything else after that will come. You know, the cookie will crumble. EB will be a head coach somewhere. But I, I kind of respected that out of him, that he just said, listen, nothing else is on my mind right now. I came here getting paid to do a job. We're going to do it, and we want to win. And, uh, you, I mean, for hell, for Kansas City, it's probably a good thing he wasn't out, you know, taking calls or doing whatever. I can respect that because it will come for him. It, I mean, that's that that is in – that will not never happen. Like, Eric Bieniemy is getting a head coaching job. Well – um, So, I can – I can respect that from him to say, hey, listen, we got it. We got a job to do. So I appreciate that. And, and I'll say this with being, I mean, not getting a head coaching job. Um, I would bet within this last two-year two year cycle, if he wanted a job just to have a job, he could have had it. Um, I would say that he has played his cards right in the sense of not just jumping on a job because it's available. Um, you know, the Texans, that's a bad job right now. The Eagles, that's a bad job right now. Um, you know, there's always bad jobs in every cycle. The Lions, that's a bad job right now. At this point in time, Eric Bieniemy is better off being an offensive coordinator for the Chiefs than being the head coach of the Lions, Eagles, or Texans. And let the cycle then come back, you know, let the cycle play itself out and come back and try again next year. I would say no one wants to mention that, but I, I do think that's part of the case is where Eric, to his credit, is being smart about it is that he's just not job chasing. He's waiting for the right opportunity. Right. And, and you know, I mean, I feel like a lot of, you know, coordinators just jump at the, you know, the opportunity. And, you know, I don't blame some of them. Uh, but EB's so good that that he's good enough to wait around for the right opportunity because, you know, first head coaching job, I, I think it kind of goes without saying everybody wants to start off on the right foot or, you know, be set up for success in a way that you might not be if you just take the first one to pop up. Right. Um, so know it's going to work out for him in the end. We know that uh, he turned down the Colorado job at his alma mater. Um, that was very public that he turned that down. And, uh, you know, and, and I don't blame him one bit. Colorado is, uh, you know, an average below average Pac-12 program in the worst of the Power Five conferences. Um, he wants to be an NFL head coach with a, you know, good structure organization. And the op- that opportunity will come eventually for Eric Bieniemy. Um, who knows? Maybe he's the next head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs after Andy Reid comes. Maybe that's in the, in the works of some, of some sorts. I don't know. But – Anyways, the uh, Chiefs in the Bucks going to be an interesting game on Sunday. We'll talk more about it 
uh, with Jason Lamb coming up in a bit. Also, Coach Bo going to join us later on as uh, we continue our coverage of Super Bowl 55. The Chiefs and the Bucks coming up this Sunday. Jason Lamb joins us next here on the Jones. Joining us now from KY3 in Springfield, he is the new sports director, also former Kansas City sportscaster. It is uh, Jason Lamb making his debut on the Jones Report this week. Jason, appreciate the time, man. I know you and I have known each other for a while. I'm glad that we can uh, finally connect and uh, have you on the podcast and also uh, welcome you to the uh, great TV family, man. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you, Tyler. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to join you here this morning. And uh, here we are, both in uh, new spots here uh, in the last few weeks. Uh, congratulations to you uh, in uh, your new role up there in Omaha. And, and I've been down here in Springfield for almost uh, three weeks now. So uh, we're, both, uh, we're both settling in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for you. And uh, with, with this goes, KY3, great station there. And and uh, you know, so many good people. Uh, I, I think you and I both know Taylor Kaufman real well and several others. I mean, uh, you, you'll be right at home and uh, still getting to cover these Kansas City Chiefs too, which we'll uh, get to in just a second with that Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. But, uh, Jason, before we talk too much shop and everything, uh, I'm sure folks want to know what, uh, what have you been up to uh, since we, we last saw you at uh, Fox 4. I know that you and I did some stuff with, uh, with, with, with Jim Bly, with you click TV and you were covering some high school sports from time to time. What have you been up to just the, the last few months since we last saw you on TV in Kansas city, man? Yeah. Uh, so I, I, uh, took a buyout from Fox four, uh, in December of 2018, along with, uh, Al Wallace and, uh, our, uh, chief meteorologist, Mike Thompson, we all left at about the same time. And, uh, I actually, uh, tried to, uh, you know, uh, get, get into some other, uh, uh, areas in, in Kansas city. I looked at some, uh, communications, uh, uh, uh I did some video production, uh, freelance work, uh, as you mentioned with, uh, with Jim Bly and, and uh, and with spectrum sports. And, uh, I freelanced for Dion Clisso and prepskc.com. Um, so I was, uh, I was working for Synchrony Financial for about a year and a half. I didn't really enjoy it very much. Just doing what I had to do. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, I really looked forward to those Friday nights, uh, covering high school football, which, which man, I loved it. And, uh, uh, I lived for Friday nights the last couple of years. Uh, I had so much fun, uh, covering Kansas high school football. I was mostly, I was on the Kansas side, so. Those were the games that I was assigned to. Anyway, um, so, you know, I, I was looking at some TV jobs here and there. I wasn't really looking to leave the Kansas City area, but I knew uh, if I wanted to stay in television that I was going to probably have to move. Uh, uh, just at a point in my life where I didn't want to move too far away uh, from family and such. I have a son who's a senior in high school, and um, this uh, sports director position opened up here at KY3 in Springfield. This is a... a a dominant legacy station down here in this market. And uh, they cover high school football very, very well. Uh, actually, all high school sports. And uh, never really considered living in Springfield before. Spent a lot of time vacationing in the Ozarks at the lakes, you know, the last 20, 25 years. So I was familiar with the area. Uh, I was familiar with uh, Ned Reynolds, who's a legend. He's like 
bigger than Ron Burgundy down here in Springfield. He, uh, he, he was a first sports director at KY3. He worked at KY3 for 54 years. And uh, he is still a huge figure in this town. And I've had the, the opportunity to meet him uh, several times already. And uh, uh, he's is, he is great. He is super. Um, so anyway, uh, just everything kind of came together for me here at KY3 uh, uh, around Christmas time. And uh, just moved down here about three weeks ago and uh, still kind of settling in. So uh, as you mentioned, I'm the, the sports director and uh, I work with Mark Spillane and, and Taylor Kaufman and uh, Chris Parker. And, um, you know, we cover a wide variety. I mean, there's there's a lot going on down here in Springfield. We, uh, my, my schedule is not dictated by the Chiefs or the Royals so much anymore as it used to be in my 16 years at Fox four. Uh, I'm basically Monday through Friday now, which is nice. Uh, but when you work in sports, uh, you have to be, um, very flexible and, um, you know, you have to work some weekends every now and then. And, uh, so that's, that's what I signed up for. And that's what we're doing down here. And, uh, so I'm getting familiar with, uh, Missouri state and, uh, with the smaller colleges here, like, uh, like jury and, uh, and Evangel and Southwest Baptist and, and all the high schools, high school basketball down here is huge, which I didn't really uh, know until I got here. Yeah. Um, but uh, it really is a big deal down here. And um, so uh, it's nice. I'm just two and a half hours away from Kansas city, not that far away. And uh, I'm down here with my golden retriever right now. And uh, after my son graduates from high school up there in Shawnee, uh, We'll sell our house and uh, my wife and, and my son will, will join me down here. That's great. That's fantastic to hear. I'm happy for you, Jason. And you, you mentioned the, the emphasis on high school sports. Uh, you know, you, you and I come from similar backgrounds in the idea of just the importance of high school sports. You know, I grew up in Oklahoma and Oklahoma high school football was just so big down there. And, and uh, you were you know so heavy into covering high school football too and high school sports. I mean, there's, there's nothing like it. I mean, it, it seems like, too, that we've seen these bigger markets and these bigger stations get away from the emphasis on high school athletics. I mean, there'd be times, Jason, where I was just as excited or just as passionate to cover some of these high school events as I would be any college or pro stuff here. I mean, uh, I always thought about that, you know, there's, there's some parent out there that can't wait for their kid or their family for their story to be told. I, I love that connection with community like that. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's where it all starts and, you know, and they love having you, you know, there's no, there's no red tape. Um, you, you pretty much have uh, free access. Um, you know, let's face it. You're mostly telling good, positive stories. You're, you're, you're promoting kids, you're promoting community, you're prom promoting schools. Uh, a lot of, especially the smaller towns. I mean, this is their identity. Right. You know, Friday nights, they come together. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it's been a passion of mine since since I was in high school and um, and since I was a student at KU and, and working in Topeka and then and then in Lawrence and then and then over over in, in Kansas City. So uh, that that was really one of the biggest things that appealed to me about this this job here at KY3. Um, they uh, part of what we do here is, is not just what we do on television, but we have a website, the Ozark sports zone, and it is an amazing uh, website. It is super detailed, so much content. 
um, state rankings, features, video interviews, uh, not just football and basketball, but all kinds of uh, high school sports uh, that cover Southwest Missouri down here. So if, if we, when I was at Fox four, if, if we didn't have a sponsorship from high V, we would have covered even less high school sports. Um, I, I tried for years to, uh, uh, to do more, but we just didn't have the resources. We didn't have enough people to, to, you know, to, to cover more games and, uh, just like, you know, newspapers, you know, the Kansas city star used to have a, you know, you know, I don't know, half dozen or more reporters that covered high school games on Friday nights and you'd get two or three full pages and another full page of, uh, of uh, box scores on Saturday mornings in the paper. But now, you know, you, you only get like one game story uh, in the paper and it's just kind of the way the business has, has turned, which is unfortunate. So anyway, uh, the Ozark sports zone here has done a really good job of uh, filling that, filling that gap. Oh yeah. And I'm glad to be uh, glad to be a part of that here. We have a 30 minute uh, sports uh, high school sports show, uh, uh, 40 weeks out of the year here. So, uh, that, that, that we do every weekend. So, uh, you're right. Uh, it all, it, it all begins with, 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 with high school sports and, uh, um, and I, yeah, and I love it. Oh, that's, uh, that's fantastic. And, and, and you know, your former colleague Al Wallace, I remember him specifically telling me that, uh, you know, he, he loved that of telling those stories of high school sports of how that, creates the path, creates the way for some of these, you know, so many of these people and, and playing our role, our part, just to be a part of that journey is, is so big. Uh, yeah, I, you I, never know. You just ahead. never know who you're going to come across, you know. Yeah. Uh, when, when I was a pup right out of college in Topeka, Kansas, I was following this kid around on the golf course named Gary Woodland. <laughs> and, uh you know, and I met his parents and his sister and, you know, he was a, a, a junior at Shawnee Heights High School there and, you know, won a state championship in basketball and, and he was a heck of a golfer and man, you know, look, you know, U.S. Open winner now and uh, and it's, it's just, you know, you never know. You just never right. know. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's a great point. I, I got one more thing for you before we dive in and talk about the Super Bowl. Jason, when I was a freshman at, K, at, uh, at KU, you know, when I was like 18 or 19 years old, I, I doubt you remember this, but uh, I, uh, this was like about, I think it was about 2015. It was a big Monday, KU played uh, Iowa State. And the first time I was ever on camera in Kansas <laughs> City, you interviewed me as I was camping out waiting for the uh, KU. Okay. So thank, yeah. thank you, my friend. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I do remember it. We, we would do that on occasion. Uh, we'd, we'd go over, you know, on a, on a big Monday and, 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 and visit with some campers. I remember, I remember uh, talking with you that, uh, that night. Uh, yeah, we, we did that uh, every once in a while. That, that was always a lot of fun uh, um, because, you know, again, we were talking about passion for high school, sport, but, you know, that, that passion for KU basketball is, is so special, you know, oh. and, Runs you grow up with that and you get that opportunity finally when you get to college to attend those games, man. And that's, that's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just one. And, and I didn't even camp out very often. That was one of the few times. And I happened to uh, catch Jason there and talk to him for a few minutes. That was, that was great. But uh, Jason, uh, I, I want to talk to you about this Super Bowl today. That's mostly what we'll focus on the uh, chiefs and uh, the bucks coming up this Sunday, Jason, uh, 
what a run it's been for the Chiefs uh, to get back here to this point. Uh, last year was incredible, but this year, did they do what they did last year, and then even on top of that, this team seems like they didn't even miss a beat from last year. They picked up right from where they left off. And to do it all without missing a game uh, because of COVID, you know, the whole season, really, to, to even get to Super Bowl Sunday, the entire league, without skipping a game, you know, they had to shuffle some games around during the course of the season. But to just to even get to this point is is pretty amazing in and of itself. Uh, but you're right. You know, they, they had some injuries along the way. Uh, they didn't play their best along the way. Um, you know, they had that stretch of, 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 of close shaves where they won by, you know, less than a touchdown. I think they won like 11 in a row at one point. And, uh, but here they are. And I, you know, I, I don't think they've played their best football uh, uh, yet. Uh, but um, but I love the fact that they've had two weeks here to prepare and and they're kind of in a cocoon there in Kansas City. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of sucks that they don't get to uh, those that weren't on the team last year anyway, don't get to experience all the hype of being in the Super Bowl host city uh, on Super Bowl week. But uh, maybe, you know, maybe that that'll, uh, you know, uh, benefit them or, you know, uh, be in their favor, you know, when it comes game day on, on Sunday, once they, once they get down there and play the game, you know, they'll be more focused, uh, less distractions and, um, and they'll take care of business. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. And, uh, taking on this Bucks team, we know Tom Brady's been to all these Super Bowls now, this is his 10th appearance. What do you think about just them squaring off with a Brady and the Bucks here? What do you make of this matchup? Uh, it's amazing. I I saw, if I'm not mistaken, you know, this is Brady's 10th Super Bowl. He's been in like almost half of the Super Bowls during his career. I think it's like 40, 48% of the Super Bowls since he's been an active player, he has been in, involved in, which is yeah. ridiculous. And like 18% of the Super Bowls in history. Tom Brady has, has played. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's ridiculous. This is, uh, this is his 10th Super Bowl in the last 20 seasons. Yeah. So, I mean, come on, man. Uh, it's, it's so ridiculous, but uh, uh, yeah, he's, he's amazing. And uh, the, you know, and, and the, the quarterback matchup, I mean, that, you know, obviously they're not going up against each other, but that's the number one matchup that that everybody is 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 so excited to see, and I can't wait to see uh, Mahomes get back out there and and do what he does. And um, yeah, it's I, I think it's a I think it's a, a great matchup. Um, um, they had a great game there in week in week twelve. Um, you know, the Chiefs got off to such a great start in that game. Um, you know. Tyreek Hill over 200 yards, I think, in the first half or first quarter and uh, and three touchdowns in that game. And, you know, the Chiefs had a big lead, but uh, Tampa Bay came storming back in that second half. And and that was really kind of when they started playing their best. They haven't lost a game since then. And they, you know, they kind of point back to that second half against the Chiefs when they, you know, when the spark was lit and they kind of got things going. So, um, there's, uh, there's a lot of good matchups, uh, uh, beginning along the, along the, the, uh, you know, in the trenches, uh, in this game, I think, um, uh, so there'll be a lot of, a lot of things to watch.
Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly so. Uh, if that's the case, uh, who are some of the you you mentioned uh, you mentioned Brady and Mahomes, you know the the obvious ones, of course. Who are some of the players in particular that that uh, you're interested in? Uh, who, who do you expect to have a, a, a big game uh, come Sunday? Well, for me, it starts along the the offensive line for the Chiefs. I mean, they're they're so beat up, and they're going up, up against that front four for for Tampa Bay. You know, those guys had five sacks uh, against uh, the Packers and, and Aaron Rodgers. And uh, I think they have, I think their defense has seven sacks and seven takeaways in the playoffs so far. Um, they, they've been really good. I mean, they've been dominant, especially in the playoffs. Um, they, uh, that's, that, that's where the game, I think, is going to be decided right there. The Chiefs kind of have a patchwork uh, offensive line right now, unfortunately, and uh, hopefully uh, they're going to be able to give Mahomes just enough time. I think he's going to be scrambling a lot and ad-libbing a lot. And hopefully uh, he and, um, you know, uh, Tyree Kill and, and Kelsey will be on the same page uh, uh, like, like they have been uh, the last couple of years. But I, I really think it's all going to start along the, along the you know, offensive line for the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I agree that the uh, offensive line is going to certainly have to step up and and uh, go from there. Uh, you covered Andy Reid for a long time uh, since the beginning of his tenure in uh, Kansas City. Um, wh- what do you make of what Andy Reid's done to, to get this point? It seems like just in a short amount of time, too, that he has changed totally the perception about him. There was this idea about this time a year ago, hey, he hasn't won the big game um is he an elite coach now uh everybody's saying without question hey he's a hall of famer he's one of the top two or three coaches in the league here i mean I- i'm so happy for andy of, of just uh what he's gone through to, to really you know put a lot of that stuff aside here in, in uh you know these last couple seasons uh what, what what do you think of uh what what andy's been through here this during this stretch uh, i'm just so happy for him i mean you just pull for good people and, and he's, he's a great guy. He just, he's just really a great guy and he deserves this so much um, through all the heartache he's had uh, pers- in his personal life and, and, uh, and professionally uh, before he came to Kansas city to, to get the opportunity to, to be hired by the hunt family and, and, and kind of re- reset when he came to Kansas city. Um, he deserves this. And, uh, yeah, I, he's punched his ticket into the hall, I think, by getting to his second Super Bowl. And certainly by if he can win his second Super Bowl, then I, he's in. Um, you know, I had a chance to talk to Carl Peterson uh, this past weekend. He was down here in Springfield for the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame induction. Uh, he was representing uh, Derek Thomas, uh, who was inducted into the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. And, and it was just it was interesting to get his perspective on, on everything that's happened with the Chiefs because, uh, um, you know, uh, he, he was the Chiefs GM for 20 years. And, you know, he, 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 he's very happy for Andy. He says he's, you know, he, he, he says he's been a close friend of Andy's for 30-plus years. They go back that far and they still communicate a lot. And, you know, uh, Carl was at that uh, Buffalo game. At the AFC Championship game, he 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 said he liked to think of that as a, uh, uh, um, what did he say? Uh, uh, it was 
making up uh, it was like making up for for the Chiefs losing the uh, 94 AFC championship game uh, at Buffalo when he was the GM when they had Joe Montana um, but uh, uh, yeah you're just so happy for 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 good people you know guys that we've covered like guys like Bill Self and and Bill Snyder and uh, people like that who are just first of all good human beings and, and Andy Reid is one of those, and he deserves this. And like Carl Peterson said, the best thing that ever happened uh, to Andy Reid is, is Patrick Mahomes. And, uh, and so he is, you know, he's been uh, rejuvenated um, with, with, with Mahomes' arrival, and he's going to ride this thing out as long as he can and see how many, you know, more championships and trophies and rings he can, he can rack up. Uh, I think he's 62 years old right now. Yeah. Um, He'd be the uh, if he could win on Sunday, he'll be the oldest uh, head coach to win back-to-back Super Bowls. Um, I think the I think uh, Lombardi was the last one for the the he he has the distinction right now of being the oldest coach to win back-to-back, and that was a Super Bowl one and two. I think he was fifty-four years old. Uh, so anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I'm really happy for for Andy Reid uh, and for the Hunt family. They they're they're very very deserved. Yeah, no no question about it. And uh, Jason is somebody that that covered this team for as long as you have, and uh, you've seen the ups and downs of this franchise. I know you've been around you know this fan base for for quite some time too. Um, you know, we, we saw some great moments a couple of years ago with the Royals winning the World Series or, you know, KU's Final Fours that they've been to over the years. But it, it seems like there's something different, something special, e- even in these COVID times of just how much charge this fan base is about what this Chiefs doing is right. This Chiefs team's doing right now. I mean, this is not even just a Kansas City thing. Like I, I go anywhere across the country and, and you're going to find Chiefs fans that are embracing what this team's doing right now. Yeah, I, to me, to me, what the Royals did in 14 and 15 was personally for me was was more special because we were so starved. We, we've been waiting 30 years for for a championship. You know, I was 13 when they won the World Series in 1985, um, you know, so there's generations that hadn't, you know, experienced a world championship, you know, Kansas city uh, fans anyway. And uh, so what they did in 14 and 15, you're, you mentioned the way, you know, Kansas city is, is a splintered market. It's a, you know, it's a unique, it's a unique city. It's a unique market with that state line that divides the city. Right. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, and it's, it's history. It's, it's, it's a rivalry building in, in established in real history. And that's what people around the country don't understand about Kansas City. And then you divide it even further between KU, K-State, Missouri, and all the small colleges. Anyway, when the Royals started winning, it united the entire region in blue. And it was wonderful. And so when they you know, went on the run in 14 and then won it all in 15, uh, that was the highlight of, 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 of my sports uh, reporting career and one of the highlights of my life. Honestly, were those couple of seasons there uh, covering the Royals, and uh, and I think it's because we had waited so long for that, right? And and I think the reason 
you bring up a good point about the Chiefs. I think maybe nationally, uh, it's it's getting more attention because of Mahomes. Because you know that Royals team didn't have the best player uh, in Major League Baseball on the team, right? Um, but this team, this Chiefs team, does. It has the MVP, and uh, and he's only twenty five, and we're all aware of how much he's accomplished already, and all his commercials and his endorsements and you know everything. So. Uh, everybody knows who Mahomes is. So, so yeah, nationally, uh, he, he's brought a, a, a ton of attention to Kansas City, which is awesome. And, um, and yeah, there's that fervor and that fever for, for the Chiefs. Uh, you know, you know, like where I'm at here in southwest Missouri, you know, you got a mix of, of everything. This is Cardinals country. This is, you know, they, like their St. Louis Blues, uh, the Royals too. But the Chiefs are big down here, big time as well. And, um, and, and you see it everywhere and you feel it everywhere and people are excited everywhere. So it is great. It is great to see uh, the entire region uh, come together. Well, and uh, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes uh, with, uh, you know, the national brand that he's become of sorts too. Um, I love Jason, just how invested he's become into Kansas city. You know, we saw when he first showed up on the scene showing up at Kansas Speedway wearing, you know, T-Bones jersey and jorts. And and then that, you know, leads to him having an ownership share in the Chiefs. And now his uh, fiance Brittany, has got, you know, has helped bringing in, you know, professional women's soccer to Kansas City and everything. Uh, I, I, I think that, you know, uh, Patrick's going to be, you know, around a long time. He's going to have as big, if not an impact of uh, – of what George Brett did to Kansas City, too. I mean, this guy's uh, – I mean, he, he just gets it, it seems. Oh, absolutely. He, kid's only 25 years old. I mean, there, there was this sports trinity in Kansas City for, for so long. Glenn Dawson, George Brett, uh, Tom Watson. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, uh, uh, you, could, you could toss uh, – uh, Buck O'Neill in there as well. Um, but now, yeah, yeah. Patrick Mahomes is part of that Mount Rushmore now, Kansas City sports. So no doubt about it. And you're right. It's he's <laughs> he's just in the beginning of his career, the early stages of his career. So uh, so it is amazing. And this is just Kansas City's just a, a perfect fit for him. Um, he has said that that he's glad he didn't get drafted by, a, you know, a large market you know, he didn't go to one of the coasts or, you know, New York city or, or someplace like that. I mean, this is a, you know, this is a Texas kid and, and, and Kansas city is just the right spot for him. So um, really everything just kind of came together perfectly for him, the right coach, the right, the right GM, the right coach, the right city, um, everything, everything uh, has just come together perfectly for the kid, for the coach, for the team, uh, for the city. And like, I go back to Carl Peterson, who for 20 years in Kansas City could not draft a quarterback. In fact, he just gave up. He, and, and he, just, he just decided, I'm never going to be able to draft a quarterback. I'm going to have to go out and find a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And then he started getting, you know, going out and getting the Joe Montana's. Elvis Gerbacks and Steve Bonos and guys like that. Uh, Carl Peterson, just a great example of, of a guy who 
you know, just how, how rare this is and how difficult this is and how, how special this is when, when, when you have this opportunity to, to, to latch onto a, a talent, a once in a generation talent like this. And so, yeah, this, this is a special time. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm sure down the line, there's going to be, you know, some debate, you know, was it more Andy or was it Patrick, whatever it may be. I, I don't care down the line. Um, it's, it's a combination. A right. It, it's a match made in heaven between these two. And uh, it's been fun to watch and uh, looking forward to Sunday. Uh, Jason, we got a couple more things before we let you go here. Um, you, you told us that you think the offensive line is going to be the key to this game. How do you see this ultimately playing out? What type of game do you think we see on Sunday? What's, uh, what's your outcome? What, what do you think the outcome will ultimately be? Well, the Chiefs were able to hang on and win that first matchup 27 to 24 in, in week 12. And I, I kind of see this being a, a similar type of score. Uh, I think the Chiefs uh, opened up as a three and a half point favorite. Uh, last time I checked, they were still a favorite by three. Um, and I think it's going to be a close game uh, as it should be. Uh, I think it'll come down to that, that, uh, that, that play along the, the offense defensive line for the chiefs offensive line. Uh, you know, Mike Remmers and Andrew Wiley and, uh, as Rankin, uh, those guys, hopefully they can hold up against um, against that uh, those edge rushers for for Tampa Bay. Uh, if 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 they're able to double up Tyree Kill, then I think that opens things up for for Travis Kelsey. I mean, it has all season long, uh, so I think there's going to be plays to be made that way. I think the Buccaneers are going to be difficult to run against. They've been number one against uh, the, the rush uh, all season long. Uh, the Chiefs really haven't ran the ball that that well in their two playoff games. I mean, Daryl Williams has been their leading rusher. Um, I think he's only rushed for like 130 yards in two playoff games. But um, I, I think the Chiefs are going to make their plays. And, uh, and defensively, I think they're going to do just enough. And it's just going to come down to whether or not uh, Tom Brady and the uh, and the Buccaneers' offense can can keep up and and, and make one more play than um, than Mahomes. So I think it's going to come down to whoever has the ball last. And um, and when it comes down to the goat against uh, uh, you know against uh, Mahomes, the, the the young stud, uh, man, I, that's what we're all hoping for is that it comes down to that. But. I'm, you know, I'm going with the Chiefs winning it uh, by, you know, a similar score to that Week 12 matchup, something like 31-27, like, like that. Okay, there you have it. Uh, all right, Jason, uh, tell people where they can uh, find you and see all the uh, great stuff you're doing in Springfield now, man. Uh, well, uh, ky3.com, uh, 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 the, the, there's a live stream there. Uh, 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 to watch uh, watch our newscasts. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at uh, Jason Lamb or at Jason Lamb KY3. Uh, um, our website is OzarkSportZone.com. It's called the Ozone. All kinds of great uh, content there. Uh, really, there's I, I'm not aware of or if there's anything else like it in the Midwest um, covering high school sports the way we do here. So, uh, but yeah, uh, also on Facebook and. Um, um, and, um, I want to give a shout out to, uh, my friend, Kevin Romery, uh, in Lawrence. I, I saw, saw news, uh, just this morning that, uh, 
that uh, that he may uh, be losing his job there. Uh, sounds like uh, Midco and, and Lawrence is shutting down their sports operation this spring. And Kevin has has uh, he has worked there for well since he graduated from KU since 1997. He's been on TV in Lawrence down. Uh, so I. Uh, I want to reach out to Kevin and wish him the very best. He's a he's a great friend, and uh, and he's uh, been a great asset to the Lawrence and KU community and uh, and all the high schools in, in Douglas County. Um, so uh, anyway, I wish him the very best. Absolutely, uh, Kevin's a great friend and and uh, means a lot to Lawrence and uh, you know that sports operation. What was you know Channel Six years ago and everything there certainly be missed. A lot of people that come through there and. And uh, Tara sure. Temple, I went to I went to college with her, and she's been fantastic. Okay. They've been a great duo. So I uh, hate to see that happen for sure. But uh, Jason, thanks for the time, man. Appreciate you joining us. We we'll have to have you back on again. And uh, best of luck in uh, Springfield. Go Chiefs! All right, sounds good. Thank you, Tyler. Big thanks to Jason Lamb for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges, back here with you now. Brian O'Connor of O'Connor Advisory Group. Coach Bo joins us now for this week's installment of Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Bo, appreciate the time as always. We wondered if this day would ever come the end of the season. The NFL was able to get every single game in in the 2020 through 21 year. Uh, What a year it has been, Bo. Uh, Thanks for joining us as always. Yeah, thank you for having me. And but it's been a lot of fun this year. Uh, and I've enjoyed doing this. So thank you guys both for having me on. And, and, and I've, like I said, I've had a great time. And um, hey, it's been a crazy, crazy week. I hope you guys both have your uh, game stock, game stop, stock taken care of. And uh, all that good stuff. God knows we've filled a lot of calls about that all week. Um, but hey, you know what that and, um, you know, Super Bowl is here now. It's 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 now it's fun time. Let's Let's enjoy this game this week, and uh, hopefully it'll help us kind of forget what's been going on in the world for a little bit here this season. Yeah, hopefully so. And uh, you know, if you're looking for advice on those investments to make, uh, don't worry about uh, taking a chance with these uh, casino stocks uh, you know, or, or even wagering uh, this football game that we're about to talk about. Give Bo a call uh, to – uh, plan for your financial future with O'Connor Advisory Group at 75-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Online at O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com, O-A-G-K-S.com, and Brian.O'Connor at LPL.com by emails where you can reach Bo there. Bo, the uh, Chiefs in the Bucks, uh, we'll, uh, we'll pick this game here in just a bit, but looking at what we've learned from the last time we talked about this game last week, uh, one of the things that stood out, and we had a feeling this was going to be the case, but more, uh, you know, reaffirmation of sorts uh, within the last couple of days is the injury report with the Chiefs. Yeah, you lose Eric Fisher at that left tackle spot, but Sammy Watkins looks good to go. So does Clyde edwards Lair, Le'Veon Bell. Those guys are back. Uh, we don't know about D-Rob uh, as uh, he's got to go through some COVID protocol, but uh, if he does, then he could be back as well. Uh, the Chiefs getting healthier, not the news that uh, Tampa Bay wanted to hear. Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I think the Eric Fisher thing is not that big a deal. And I think that, you know, the, the 
the Chiefs getting healthy is not at all what the, what's good for the uh, Bucks here. Um, you know, but th- having said that, the Bucks have played pretty well the last couple of games, and they're healthy too, which is a big deal with some of their older players. So, and they've been rested throughout throughout parts of the year. So it's interesting there. Yeah, uh, certainly so. And uh, looking at this matchup, Bo, uh, I feel like we've dissected this in about every way possible at this point. But what do you think is the difference in who wins and loses this game? What what does this come down to? I think the biggest problem, the biggest issue, the the, the determination on who's going to win or lose this game, is going to be the back of the Bucks defense. The Bucks DBs and how they play um, versus Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. If they can double both those guys consistently and limit those touches, then I think they've got a chance. That's a lot to ask. You're not going to get a lot of pressure on Mahomes. You're just going to have to. You're just going to have to bat a lot of balls away. It just. I, it's going to be a lot to ask on the DBs. That's what I'm looking at. The DBs for the Bucks to me, is the most important part of the game if the Bucks are going to have a chance as an underdog. You know, Bo, uh, on Monday's show, uh, our, our buddy T.J. Reeves joined us uh, as we went behind the enemy lines, did a whole show with T.J. breaking down this game. And uh, T.J. was saying that he thinks the Bucks are going to do whatever they can to double – Tyreek Hill and, uh, you know, work their defense from there at that point. And I said, okay, fine. Uh, you're going to have Kelsey one-on-one or uh, at times wide open. I mean, it, it's kind of just pick your poison here. The, the Bucks got burned so bad by uh, Tyreek Hill last time. Uh, if that's going to be their game plan, uh, Travis Kelsey uh, is uh, should have a big day. And I would expect Travis Kelsey to have a big day anyway. I mean, he's had – one of the best single seasons for a tight end in the history of the league this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, and numbers wise, he absolutely has. And I, I think the issue is, is that they're going to have to play some zone. The bucks have not been a great man to man team and they're going to have to play some zone with some matchups. And so you'll see them, uh, you know, bring up a couple safeties, kind of move some things around uh, different looks and then try to, I think the bucks are going to try to, double Kelsey anytime they can between the thirties and then in the red zone. And then you're going to have to double Tyree kill the entire game uh, where you don't double Tyree kill is in the red zone when you're inside the 10. Um, that's more of a route runner kind of situation. So I think that's what you'll see, but you, you can't let Tyree kill beat you on a big play. And then you're going to have to get some help. They're going to have to hit Kelsey at the line of the scrimmage as often as possible. It, it's a lot to ask. It's a lot to ask those DBs to do. They haven't been necessarily a great zone team or a matchup zone, as I like to call it. That's not really been who they are. And uh, But I think that's what they're going to have to do if they're going to have some success here. Uh, Bo, I've seen this described for Patrick Mahomes as – the most important Super Bowl he'll ever play in. The fact that you have him going up against, uh, you know, Tom Brady, who's got the most rings among any quarterback. You know, the uh, the the goat is what you know most folks you know, refer to him as and such. Um, you know, and 
the comparison that this has been drawn to is if Michael Jordan played LeBron James in an NBA Finals game. And here you have Brady towards the end of his career, Patrick Mahomes just really beginning his prime here. I, I, I even hate to have a, le- a discussion about legacy or anything like that. But as far as just when we, when we look at Patrick Mahomes' career and such, when, uh, when we talk about him among the all-time greats, do, do you see this game being that significantly important compared to what's ahead for his career? Are you along those same lines too? Well, I, I look at it differently in that I don't think it's the necessarily the match up with Tom Brady for Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think that stuff's kind of overrated in and of itself. Now, the situation of this is the Super Bowl. You know, how do you perform in the Super Bowl? Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, if he has a great game and the Chiefs win this game, he's going to put himself in the pantheon of some really incredible all-time quarterbacks. I don't think it's necessarily that matchup with, with Brady. It's the fact that it's just it's the final game of the year and he's going to have to try to win it. Um, I So, again, there's, there's a piece of that that I think is somewhat overrated. Um, going back to what you were saying, but I think that at the same time, yeah, it's important to his legacy. You don't know how many times you're going to come back. You know, right. we all like to think that Mahomes is going to be back, you know, four or five or six times. You know, I'm reminded that 1984, Dan Marino, you know, had the one loss Dolphins, took him into the Super Bowl and lost. And when they lost that game, he never went back. So, you know, Chiefs fans enjoy this time. You know, enjoy it and don't think this is going to happen forever. This is not going to be a, you know, it's even harder now to keep your team together with the salary cap and the issues you have there. So enjoy this time. Don't think it's because you have Patrick Mahomes, you're going to be there every single year. You know, I think it is a little bit of a misnomer that Brady has been there a number of times. He's obviously been there the most, but it's not just that one player. It's a a lot of things have had to come together for the Patriots when he was a Patriot to come together all those years. Yeah. Again, enjoy the ride if you're a Chiefs fan. Sure, sure. Uh, one more for you uh, before we pick this game, Bo. Tom Brady uh, making headlines this week. He said that his goal has always been to try to play till he's 45, but that doesn't mean – now he's saying that doesn't mean it stops there. He says that he can see himself – playing maybe another year or two past that when he's 46 or 47. Um, At at this point, Bo, it it just feels like he's bragging a bit there. I mean, there's just no way that's possible that that's going to happen, right? I mean, I know Tom Brady's incredible and what he's done to have the longevity to get this point here. But, I mean, we're we're talking about the end of the road here pretty soon, uh, eventually, right, with Tom here. Aren't we, Bo? Yeah. I mean, look, let's be real honest. How well has Tom Brady played in the last five games? Average. I mean, he he had the one big game in the playoffs, the first game against Washington. Yeah. He didn't have a big game against New Orleans. He didn't have necessarily – he had a terrible game. I thought he played horrible in the second half of the Packers game. Yeah, he had a nine-day yeah. game against Green Bay. Great first half, awful second half. Yeah. I think that the, 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 the one throw there – that he's getting a lot of shine on at the end of the first half of the Packers game was really just busted coverage. I mean, he just ran by the, you know, honestly, one of you guys, you or Thomas could have made that throw. I can't throw the ball off. Um, But 
I just, I think he's a little bit, uh, I mean, look, the guy's over 40, he's what, 42, 43? 43, Look, I mean, he's got one more year on his contract. I think he will try to play next season. Um, tomorrow's not promised to any of us, and Father Time is undefeated. And I think we've seen Father Time actually land some body blows on uh, Tom Brady this season. It's just nobody wants to talk about it because they, they did happen to make the Super Bowl. And I think the other underrated thing about the, the Bucks team is that's an all-star team. Look at the names. Look at the players on that team. You know, they went, you know, Grock came back. And they get Antonio Brown. I knew it hasn't contributed to much. But defensively, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul and, and Dominic Sue, they took all those guys, and all they wanted to do was make the tournament, make the playoffs, and then get in and make some noise. And that was a great strategy with those older players because they, don't, they wanted them to be healthy. Right. Right. And they are all healthy. So that's, you know, Leonard Fournette joined up with that team. He won't be there next season, most likely. You know, so think about those kind of things. There's a lot of nice pieces around Tom Brady right now. He's never had the pieces offensively he's dealing with right now. Yeah. And yeah, so that yeah. makes it a little better, a little younger. I think it's, it's I don't want to say it's hidden some, some issues, but it certainly puts some makeup on some issues yeah. for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so but, I think the idea that he's going to be playing at 45 is a little bit ludicrous. Right. Honestly. Um, you know, it's not lipstick on a pig, per se. But <laughs> it's pretty close. Um, yeah, I just think, you know, Father Time is undefeated, and he's going to knock Tom Brady out next season. I mean, it's he, he had some body blows on him this season. And there were some games that Tom Brady looked horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. All right. It, it, um Tom, uh, let's bring you in here as uh, we get uh, as we pick this game here. What are you looking for out of this matchup, Tom, between the Chiefs and Bucks on Sunday? So I'm looking to who gets the the hot start. Um, you know, we we saw the Bills kind of come out against the Chiefs and and start pretty solid, um, and and we saw the Bucks come out pretty solid against the Packers. And you know, if the Bucks can do that to the Chiefs, uh, you know, can the can the Chiefs have that that grit? And I think they do, but it is Tom Brady. Can they have the grit against Brady to come back if they don't start hot? They did it against the Bills and we're fine. If right. they have the, do they have the grit? Because you know, I you know, we'll make our picks here in a second. I think the Bucks get off to a hot start. I, I we've seen it too many times. It happens to the Chiefs. The Chiefs prevail every time. I don't know how, but they do. They are the best comeback kid that I've ever seen, I think. Um, and I know Andy Reid's probably took a few years off that man's life. I guarantee it has. It has to have. Uh, because if that was my team, they would they would take years off mine. Um, but, seriously. Um, but I think the Bucks get off to a hot start, and it's just for me, for the Chiefs to pull this off, can they play the comeback kid again against Tom Brady? Yeah. Or if the Bucs get off to a hot start, do the Chiefs get off to a decent or hot start of their own? Um, is uh, something to think about, too. I mean, it's very possible both teams could start out well in this game uh, as far as that goes. All right, here's where we're at on Pick'em standings. With one game left to go, uh, Tom, you have a 177-6 and six record. Uh, Bo, you were at 97, 78, and six. 
I am at 99.78 and six on the year. And uh, I am uh, 4-0 and in my last uh, few NFL games here. So uh, I'm on a little bit of a winning streak right now as uh, we go into the, season, into the end of the season. Um, the Chiefs, the line we took, we always go with the opening line. The Chiefs are a three-point favorite uh, against the Bucks here. Uh, Tom, as we've done for this whole postseason, we let you go ahead and pick first as the leader here. And uh, with that one-game lead you have, tell us uh, who you like to cover. And uh, go ahead and give a score, if you would, uh, for who, uh, who wins and the, the margin and all that for Sunday. Okay, I'll give you – I'll just start off and be blatant. You've already said – you know, I've already said that can the Chiefs be the comeback kid? I think they can if they get down. Um, you know, likewise, if they don't get down, I think they, I think they still win. I think the Chiefs – Chiefs have that grit. They've shown that grit. Um, I think this team is is too well gelled uh, together. The, the team chemistry, I think, for the Chiefs is unmatched. Uh, I think they're ready for this game. I think Travis Kelsey, if I had to pick a Super Bowl MVP that's not Mahomes because that's cheating, I'm going to pick <laughs> Travis Kelsey. Uh, you know, I granted last year it wasn't Mahomes, but it was Mahomes. Uh, oh, it was Mahomes, but it should have been, been uh, Williams. Damian Williams. Yeah. Right. So uh, it probably will be Mahomes again, but it'll probably be the shoulda, coulda, woulda been. And I think that's going to be Travis Kelsey. I like the Chiefs 38 to 34. Ooh, high scoring game. That'd be a lot of fun if, uh, if it's that high scoring on, uh, on Sunday for the uh, Super Bowl there. Bowl. Uh, give us your pick and uh, your score prediction. All right. So uh, this is going to shock anyone that knows me. Um, so I am also taking the Chiefs. Um, I don't think this game is as close as everyone thinks this is going to be. Um, I you know, The scenario I lay out for the Bucks to win, they're asking their DBs to do too much, and then Leonard Fournette's going to have to just be insanely good against the Chiefs defense. Um, I think that what's going to happen is I think both teams are going to start out a little bit slow, kind of fill each other out a little bit. And I think the most important part for the Chiefs is to play well in the second and third quarter. I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. They're going to win the game 31-17. to 17. I think it's going to be a little bit of a blowout. I think the Bucks get that last touchdown in the fourth quarter to make it look somewhat reasonable, but I expect that Patrick Mahomes is going to have a big game. I think he will be the MVP again. Um, I think there's a chance he has the best game that any quarterbacks ever really had in the Super Bowl. I think it's setting up that way. Um, I just, the chiefs have got more firepower. They're playing better. I just don't see how this game is close unless that game is slowed down to a crawl. And that's just not going to happen against the chiefs. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Chiefs in a big way. All right. Um, Bo, uh, to, to kind of echo your, your statements there, to go along with, uh, I would say I think that this game is more likely for the Chiefs to win by 10 or more than it is a Bucks victory. Um, I think uh, that's how I would weigh this scenario um, you know, the, the Chiefs are a better football team, and they're, they're going to have to make a decent number of mistakes for the Bucs to be able to win. 
And, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he threw two interceptions in his first Super Bowl. This team, their entire goal all season long has been to run it back, to get right to the same place they were a season ago. And I don't think you're going to have those, uh, those jitters, those nerves that you had the first time around. I think this team is going to come out just fine. They're going to play mistake-free football. Um, I like them to you know, have some big plays, to have some stuff up their sleeves here. I like the Chiefs to, to take care of business, win this one. 30 to 24 is the score I'll go with to uh, get their second straight Super Bowl title. Um, like Tom said, Mahomes is the obvious pick to be MVP. But uh, if we got to pick another guy, somebody to look for, here's what I got off the wall a bit. I think Tyron Matthew, he has been so good these last few weeks, the last half of the season. The landlord, he's collected a lot of rent these days. I would not be surprised if he can find a way to get a pick or a fumble or maybe two picks, whatever it may be, off of Tom Brady and be the, the difference in this ballgame of sorts. I think Tyron Matthew is a, a sleeper besides Mahomes to be MVP. So with that, um, I will say my goal all season was to get to 100 wins. If I get this right, that gets me to 100. I know that this hands Tom the championship, essentially. Uh, but I'm okay with that because uh, I'm going for that 100th win and I'm going to stay ahead of Bo, too. So, Tom, uh, there you have it. Uh, you are our champion. We'll officially crown you next week when this is when the game itself actually plays out. Uh, but that is our picks this week. We're all on the same page. We like the Chiefs to uh, cover. So, uh, there you have it. Hey, Josie, yeah, go ahead. Josie, I, so, I didn't get to put my, you know, long shot pick in there for the MVP. And son of a bitch, who you know who won the pony? I was going to say Matthew as well. Um, <laughs> I'll take if, if the Bucks do win the game, if the, if we're if we're all wrong and the Bucks win this game, Leonard Fournette's going to be the going to be the MVP because he'll have to have a monster monster game. Yeah, uh, Tom. Any more thoughts before we move on, real quick? You know what? I know we're not crowning me till next week, but oh, does it feel good? You know what the great, the greatest part about this whole thing is, though. We all beat TJ, so he's got the most creds out of all of us. Is he going to be calling this game? I'm sure he is. He's going to be on the Bucks Radio Network call, uh, and uh, so best of luck to TJ out there. Uh, he uh, he was. We had him on on Monday's show, and he was saying that. Uh, He's taking his family out to Dunkin' to go get donuts Saturday morning, and then after that, it's all Super Bowl from there. So uh, enjoy the Dunkin' with the fam, TJ, and uh, have a good call. We'll uh, be rooting you on, but we're rooting against the Bucks, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with that being said, we'll move on. Uh, oh, the, the big football storyline of the last couple weeks has been uh, – or the last few days, rather, has been that of Jared Goff and Matt Stafford trading places – a couple first-round picks headed uh, with uh, with Jared Goff and company to the Detroit Lions. What'd you make of this trade? So, uh, pretty outstanding. I mean, what a huge deal this was. So, I'm a I'm a little surprised that it happened because of the cap numbers. But then, in listening to some things I heard earlier today about the cap numbers, it's almost like they the two teams decided to go ahead and swap cap numbers. The Rams are going to take a little extra on on the cap. Uh, and in return, the Lions are going to net two first-round picks. Uh, this is one of those deals where 
this is uh, it, in poker terms, this is going all in. This is pushing all your chips to the middle of the, or the middle of the table and saying, bring it on, bring it on. Because if the Rams do not win the NFC, if they don't have a chance to win the Super Bowl, then this is a horrible, horrible trade. But they're doing it because they're looking at the defensive side of the ball and saying, look, we've got two of the best four or five players in the NFL and on the defensive side and Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. And I mean, how much longer do you really have? And so you got a GM and a coach that's motivated. They realize, okay, we might just be a quarterback away. Let's make the deal and we'll let someone else deal with all the, all the shit later. Right. Um, with, uh, with this deal, the way I look at it, uh, from the Rams perspective is that they see Stafford, you know, at, uh, at this point in his career, still playing some great football. I've always been a Matt Stafford fan. Um, and I always thought that, you know, Detroit was wasting his career of sorts. I think they're looking at Matt Stafford and saying, Hey, Tom Brady threw 40 touchdowns and eight interceptions at 43 years old. And he's not as good as Matt Stafford right now. Why can't Matt Stafford do what Tom Brady's doing in Tampa? Is that kind of, you think, what the Rams are looking at here? Is like, let's take Stafford and go to the Super Bowl. I, I think they're looking at it and saying they're getting someone who never really has had a good opportunity. I mean, it's, I think there's something similar to what you're saying. It's saying we, we need a quarterback. But, you know, the Rams are saying that now. They need a quarterback. Jared Goff's not the guy. They don't feel comfortable with him being the guy. And, Matt Stafford, while he's not Tom Brady, you know, he's he is a very good quarterback. He's shown his durability. He's shown he's got an arm. He's shown he can run complicated offenses. He's just never had a good team around him. And he's had some really piss poor coaching, if you ask me, in the NFL. I think the guy's a stud. I think he's pretty much had a career wasted in in Detroit. And I'm happy for Matt Stafford. One, you know, you go out to California to finish your career, which is always nice. And then two, you got a legit chance at being a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. Tom, as our uh, resident Rams fan here, what'd you make of this deal? You know, I was shocked when it happened, but just being in the Rams fan community, a lot of people were saying Jared Goff is the problem. And it wasn't even this season. I mean, the man throws 20 touchdowns, the lowest in his career. Uh, he also gives up 17 turnovers, and it could have been more. could have been equal 2020 there, uh, which would have been kind of funny given the year. But um, shoulda, coulda, woulda, lost four fumbles, fumbled it seven times, though. Um, it was pretty clear that the Rams weren't going to be able to beat the Packers because they didn't have the quarterback play. Even if Goff was healthy, he just – he has a decent line. He just is not good in the pocket, doesn't step up. You can see maybe a little lack of confidence. I'm not shitting on golf. I, I, have, I bought a golf jersey. Uh, granted, it was our friends at Amy Smith, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> still, nonetheless, uh, and rooted for golf. And, and he got us to the Super Bowl, you know, for the first time since 01 or 2001. Um, <clears throat> So I can't hate the man. I, I do hate how the franchise parted with him. I thought that was a little unprofessional. Um, but, you know, I, we talked about Matt Stafford all year long. It was almost foreshadowing in a way um, that all he needed was out of Detroit into a better team. And, Bo, you mentioned, you know, wasted career in Detroit. He's definitely not the first and won't be the last player that has their career wasted 
by the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited. There's a lot of Rams fans that are also excited. And at this point, Stafford has the ability to give this team what it takes. Granted, Rams lose defensive coordinator uh, Brandon Staley to the Chargers. They pick up Raheem, Raheem Morris, who I don't think will be bad. He's got the number one defense in the NFL behind him. You got Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, uh, you know, get some key pieces on that line. Tyler Higby's a solid tight end, you know, and if this Rams offense is even elevated a little bit more, right, right. Uh, I don't have a problem picking them for the Super Bowl next year. Okay. Um, so with that being said, now that this trade is in the books and it was not a cheap trade for the uh, Rams to make, uh, now the tension uh, shifts to the Deshaun Watson situation. And uh, we already knew that Deshaun was going to be pricey. Rumor out there is that Houston wants two ones, two twos, and two young defensive players. Um, Bo, what, what do you think all this means for Deshaun Watson right now? I would imagine whether the Texans admit it or not, uh, the uh, trade markets, the value of Deshaun Watson, it just made it a little bit harder for some teams to trade for Watson here where, where do you think he ultimately ends up right now with uh, after all this? I, I do think Deshaun Watson will get traded. Um, I do think that's going to happen. First off, um, the price the price went up. Um, I think the underrated part of it, though, I think that's where where I, you know you see you say that well, Goff it was Goff and two ones, but you're looking at two Rams ones, which could be on the back end of the one of the first round. So. Um, I think you could probably see a situation where a team comes in who's maybe a lower level team or has some high draft picks and can say, well, we'll give you three, um, three and maybe a player. I, I don't know what's the perfect situation. Everyone's going to sit here and speculate, you know, Miami's going to get talked about, um, you know, what was the other ones over here? The Jets, um, we, we, there's there's all sorts of uh, San Francisco is going to get speculated at some point. Um, I think you're going to hear a number of places that are going to be interested. Um, I do think it gets done because frankly, I think that his salary cap, Sean Watson's salary cap number is actually easier this next year than Goff's was. Goff's contract was harder to get out of. So if you can find the right partner up, about that thing with you know with uh, Stafford and Golf, I was surprised the Lions took on Golf, but um, I do think the price of the, the of Deshaun Watson just went up. I think if they think they're going to get if the, if the Texans think they're going to get two ones, two twos, what was it, you said two threes and a defensive player, you know they're not going to get a Herschel Walker type of trade here. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's – I think two – I think three ones is not out of the realm of possibility. Okay. Um, I think you'll see a team come along and give them something. I'm interested to see. So, we know Atlanta is out now because Atlanta says Matt Ryan's going to return. You know, so I think that the longer it goes, the more it plays back into the Texans' hands. But uh, I think a deal gets done probably either right before the draft or – if it doesn't get done before the draft, it'll be after June 1. Okay. Just so, real quick here on the Deshaun Watson trade. Another thing, speaking back to the Rams, 
we you guys you know we talked about the Rams didn't just give up pennies to get Matt Stafford they gave up those yeah. draft picks it was kind of speculated amongst fan boards and Reddit and just even on Twitter um, that hey maybe the Rams kind of did a smoke and mirrors like hey it, it's obvious that the Rams don't really give a shit about first round picks that's why they haven't had one in four years um, and that must be a McVay scheme and it is obviously somewhat panned out so far. But some people were saying that the Rams purposely gave up too much so it would drive the Deshaun Watson price up. That that way the 49ers could not get Deshaun Watson. I think you're onto something there, Thomas, about it could be driving up the cost on Watson so that the 49ers can avoid him. Um, because they're one of those win now teams. And there's it's gonna take a win now team to pay the price for Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, whether it's San Francisco, whether it's Indy, I don't think Indy's likely because it's in division. You know, Miami is the team I think ends up being the winner of that lottery. Um, and there'll be all sorts of speculation in the next few weeks. Once the Super Bowl's over, the start of the offseason will start in a week or so. You know, that'll that's what will be the sports center lead when it comes to the NFL every week for the coming weeks. I really don't think that we'll see something either right until draft day or if it doesn't happen at draft day after June 1. Okay. A um, couple more for you here, Bo. Uh, the uh, situation with uh, Andrew Locke, his name has uh, resurfaced within the last day as uh, there was some text messages that have since come out and been denied that said he was interested in coming back, possibly to Indy. I'm sure the Colts would love to have him back. Um, Pat McAfee on his radio show, uh, you know, former Colt that is a friends with Andrew Luck says that he doesn't believe that if Luck does come back, it's to play for Jim Ursay's Indianapolis Colts. And we know how disliked uh, Jim Ursay has been by pretty much everybody that's ever played for the Indianapolis Colts. So, uh, Bo, uh, do you think Andrew Luck, is there any chance that he comes out of retirement? And if so, is it with the Indianapolis Colts? Okay, so I, the answer to the questions, I'm just going to kind of do a little random here. Uh, one, I would love to see Andrew Luck play football again. I'm a big Andrew Luck fan. I think he had every skill to be one of the greats. Um, I have seen in the past few months even where Jim Ursay has talked to Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck keeps telling Jim Ursay he's not interested in football, football anymore. He's more concerned about his health. You know, Luck has plenty of money. Having said that, I don't believe any of this stuff. I saw the Pat McAfee thing today. I, I actually I got home. But my kiddo said something about it. I pulled it up and watched it. Um, all I know is if those are real texts, you know, Andrew Luck's wife better be really, really pissed off at whatever girlfriend that is that did that. Um, but secondly, yeah, I bet he misses football a little bit. And I, you know, who doesn't, you know, miss that? I bet he also doesn't miss those, he misses those paychecks, but he's put a lot of money away. Uh, you know, he's someone that doesn't need football. And I don't think that if he comes back, he plays for the Colts. Now, I do know that his contract has to be honored by the Colts. So, they're going to retain his rights. And I don't know that Jim Ursay will take too kindly to Andrew Luck wanting to come back to play in the NFL and not play for the Colts. Um, that will be something that will be highly negotiated. I will say under the radar, 
I think the team that's going to find a quarterback and find a way to do something, whether that's Andrew Luck or Deshaun Watson, the Raiders are going to try to make a quarterback play. Yeah. And if Andrew Luck were to come back, couldn't we all see John Gruden just go, hey, hey, I need you here. You know, I mean, that's that's his guy. He loves that kid. And I could see that happening. So, spider Y for banana. Yeah, spider two Y banana. I'll tell you something, man. You got this spider two Y banana. We ran that when I was a coach too. Um, but you no, get yeah, Andrew and, Locke throwing the spider two Y banana. I tell you what, man. Tell you something. You get that going, man. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, I I I do think that I think there's a chance Andrew Luck comes back, but I don't think it's likely. You know, he's been removed for two seasons now. Um, I, I don't think it was a ploy. I think he was really worried about his health. He talked about how it was just the vicious cycle of, you know, getting hurt and training to get back and everything that goes with it. He's logged a lot of money. He's already, you know, taking good care of himself and his family. You know, unless you love it and you miss it and you can go into the perfect situation, why well, come back at this point if you're Andrew Luck? Well, his dad is one of the brightest football minds that is not a coach or executive of some, some sorts. I'm sure he can learn a thing or two from his dad and go that route if he wants to get back involved in the game of some sorts that way. Um, I don't think Andrew yeah. Luck's coming back. I would love to see it. I like Andrew Luck, um, yeah. you know, but, you know, he had a lot of health issues and he's kind of a weird guy. If he does come back, I don't see it being long-term either. I think you're talking about a short stint if he does uh, make a return of some sorts there. Yeah, I think if you're the Colts, you have to keep making that phone call, though, because oh, that's yeah. the guy who can automatically make you a, a top team. If he could come back and be the player he was in his last couple of years in the league, I mean, the Colts become a favorite. They become one of the top teams in the AFC. They would be the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC if Andrew Luck's on that roster right now. I'd like to see if he's been throwing the football still, like if he's still in football shape. That'd be interesting. I, he's disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, don't really know. Yeah, we don't really know much about what he's doing or what he's done. You don't know if he's in shape, if he's worked out, if he's thrown a ball, if he's – we don't know any of that right now. We do know his health has probably improved. I mean, as far as we know, he could be in the Space Force at this point. You know I mean? Like, where, where's he at? I mean – um, yeah. he's been, uh, he's been missing. So we'll see. I'd like to see Andrew Luck come back, but I'm not getting my hopes up on that. Um, one more thing for you, Bo, before we, uh, get out of here. Uh, I know Tom and I are excited about this. I want to wage your interest. Uh, the NCAA football games coming, the video games coming back. It's not going to be associated with the NCAA. they going to be a college, going to be called college football, uh, by yeah. EA sports. Uh, you much a gamer. Are you going to get into this, uh, return of the oh. college football game? I haven't been a gamer for a number of years now. I'm just, I'm older than you guys. You know, I'm in my mid forties now. I leave all the gaming to the kiddo, but I thought it was kind of cool to hear about that. Um, you know, I can recall that was the game that like when I was in college, we all played and we played that more than mad. I yeah. mean, it was, it was, it was cool. Uh, Cause then you might know somebody like if you went to school and you, you knew somebody on campus, you're like, Oh, that's you on the game. And then they weren't <laughs> getting paid. So felt bad for them. And then, <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I think it's a cool topic. I don't know how they're going to work it out. They've got a lot of, um, you know, the business side of that's interesting to me because 
there's a lot of things they're going to have to do with uh, the name rights and everything else for that. Um, you know, and using the player's likeness. Um, I'm happy. I really hope it does go through for the college players because they deserve some of that money. They don't get it in other places. So I'm really happy. I do hope that goes through for them. As for the game, we'll probably get it because, you know, the, the, the kiddo here. But, uh, you know, when it comes to that point, I'll probably goof around and play it a few times. But uh, in and of myself, I am not much of a gamer. I will be honest. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, we got Ron Bo. Uh, appreciate the time as always, man. Uh, check out uh, yeah. Bo and O'Connor Advisory Group, OAGKS.com. O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com is the website. Bo, we've enjoyed talking to you all season long, and you're not going anywhere. We're uh, still going to hear from you each and every uh, Thursday show uh, for Coach Bo's football fix right here at the Jones Sports. So thanks for the time as always, man. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Take care. There you have it. That is Coach Bo with this week's Coach Bo's football fix here on the Jones Sports. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridge is back here with you now. A few more things before we get out of here today. I want to take a little bit of time to talk some uh, Big 12 basketball. And uh, looking at things right now, Baylor's still rolling. Um, I, I feel like at this point, Tom, with the way Baylor has played, um, doesn't it seem like we're just waiting for, for the – Baylor Gonzaga national championship game at this point. I mean, I, I saw somebody put out today this post of who's your final four predictions. And I thought about quote tweeting and be like Gonzaga, Baylor, and then whoever just doesn't have COVID and finds their way there. Doesn't it just seem like the inevitable at this point, Gonzaga, Baylor, and then it doesn't really matter. I mean, like, I, don't get me wrong. I'm excited for March Madness and, to see this all play out, to have the tournament again and all the moments it'll have and everything. But it, it just seems like that we're just waiting on the inevitable here. And, yeah, usually it's like like the Alabama-Clemson type situation. But uh, I did see one guy reply to some tweet you posted about should be just best of seven, Baylor-Gonzaga, <laughs> and I'm here for it. That'd be, aw- that'd be great basketball. Um, now – they were supposed to play earlier this year in the non-conference, and then they had a COVID issue come up. Um, Gonzaga said that they still want to play um, a top non-conference opponent, potentially Baylor or another team like that, and uh, before the end of the regular season. And it is worth noting, too, the way they set up the Big 12 schedule was that uh, that there was going to be a couple of weeks between the end of the regular season and the Big 12 tournament to allow games to be made up or others to be scheduled. So maybe we get that Baylor-Gonzaga game. I would be glad to see it in the regular season, um, to see one versus two and to settle who's number one for now. Um, I would not complain one bit if, uh, if we get – two parts to this saga. Some people would say, well, let's just wait and see him play in the championship game. We're not guaranteed them to play in the championship game, even though I, it feels that way. Um, let's go ahead. Let's get this matchup out of the way. Let's figure out who the number one team in the land is right now, because it's one of those two teams. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'd be down for a two-part series of that. Or, I mean, this will never happen, but could you imagine, you know, you play the final four and then the two teams that, you know, when this might take away from the, you know, it being special, but uh, the two teams that move on to the championship play a best of five. 
<laughs> right? or even a best, or even a best of three. Yeah, a best oh of three God. would be awesome. Oh yeah, um, it'd be great. Uh, in, in this case, you know, Baylor and Gonzaga, how much that they have separated themselves. I think you would have very competitive three games if you had a, a mini series of some sorts. If uh, if these two were to compete in uh, for a national title, uh, if that were to uh, to happen there, um, but you know it, it's wild too, Tom, that hardly ever do we talk about teams holding serve and the polls ever being right um, when it comes to college basketball. Like college football, it's become more and more predictable with Alabama and with you know Clemson and such, as you mentioned, but. Uh, college basketball, uh, Gonzaga and Baylor were 1-2 at the very beginning of the year. If not, Baylor may have been 3 or 4, but nonetheless, they made their way to number 2 pretty quickly. I am amazed how much that's held serve, how the experts were actually right about how good those two teams were, that we did kind of see this coming. Yeah, it doesn't – I mean, I can't remember a year that that's held true. It's usually – upsets on deck all the time um but not this year i mean maybe it's because the covid and you know we can it's just a more i don't even know the word for it but maybe it's just well, maybe one of those weird years so okay. you mentioned covid uh, let's uh let's take this baylor team what did we talk about with the chiefs earlier in the show that they didn't really celebrate their super bowl victory they they did they, they did but briefly and then it was right back to business to try to repeat again and, you know, to have that more of that Super Bowl celebration of sorts, right? This Baylor team. Right. They lost one starter from last year's team. They felt like that they were going to be a one seed and had a shot to win the national title last year. They had a couple transfers coming in. They got even better than they were, what they were a year ago. Maybe that similar mindset where with COVID there – became less of a distraction. It was back to business, back to work, and, you know, to go get that national championship. It is weird to say, you know, I, I'm a guy that always tries to look for positives in negative situations. You know, I, I've, I'm firmly of the belief that something good will come out of every bad situation. I think you look at the Chiefs, you look at the Baylor Bears, it's been, you know, hey, we're not going to let a hangover or – anything that happened last year affect us, we're back to work and we're back to the top of the mountain of some sort. So Baylor's even better than what they were a year ago. And, and uh, it's the credit all goes back to Scott Drew. Um, This is as impressive of a coaching job. This two year run that Baylor's had, they're 17 and 0 right now. They were undefeated for much of last season as well uh, in conference play. This two year run, and we'll see where they end up. But as of right now, um, Tom, I would say, and I'm not trying to be prisoner of the moment at all, Baylor's two-year run they've been on is as impressive of a run of, two, of a two-year stretch as anyone I've ever seen since the Big 12 came together back in 1996. I mean, yeah, they've been lights out. Uh, I mean, and, and you mentioned the chief aspect of it of, you know, there was no – tournament last year they just got on you know stayed stayed ready and that seems to be all the difference and you know like you said all the credit to scott drew keeping those guys focused you know making sure they don't you know give up on the on the dream of coming together and and 
winning a basketball national championship the way that Kim Mulkey does all the time for Baylor. You know, I, I know they have to, to feel a little bit like, well, the women's basketball team's out playing us or, you know, they're getting shown up. Well, they, they walk um, on that floor every day and it shows, it says, you know, three-time national champions. It doesn't say three-time women's national champions. They're reminded, oh, wait, that's not us. That's them. Right. And so you know that they, they want to pull their weight. Uh, and yeah, that's hard to do when, again, for against the Kim Mulkey team. But nonetheless, I mean, you you obviously Baylor men's team roots for the women. But at the same time, Baylor men want to pull their weight, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's impressive. Looking at the uh, rest of the Big Twelve, um, Oklahoma. Where did these guys come from? My goodness, this team was just outside the top twenty-five two weeks ago. Now they're the number nine team in the country, the third highest ranked Big Twelve team in the AP Top Twenty-Five. They won in the month of January four top ten games which tied a, a Big 12 record. And uh, on top of that, they won three straight against top 10 teams. Um, they had some road wins in, of sorts. And then on top of all that for Oklahoma, you didn't have Austin Reeves for a bit as he had some contact tracing with COVID. You didn't have your second best player, Brady Manick, for a bit as he was coming off an injury, I believe. Um, oh, you, uh, where, where, did, where did you come from? None of that makes sense. Nice win against Alabama. Nice win against Kansas the week before that. You go into Austin, beat your rival Texas. I mean, OU is looking really good. You get Austin Reeves back coming up this weekend. Watch out for these Sooners. Lon Kruger, where, where – this does not make sense. None of this makes sense. Lon Kruger is doing a hell of a job right now because if you just look at analytics, this shouldn't be happening for OU right now, Tom. No, it shouldn't be. But, hey, you know, any any team can get hot at the right time, and, and it's obviously been working out for OU so far, and especially in a season where we did would have never expected this to happen. Uh, and so, obviously, as an OSU fan, as much as it pains me to say, uh, if, you know, OU's not your rival, you kind of love to see it. Yeah. Um, now, the next stretch for OU, they play Iowa State, uh, who's one of the worst teams in the country this Saturday. They'll win that. But then that next stretch, you talk about a tough road here, Tom. They get Baylor at home. Uh, on Wednesday of next week. They go to Morgantown after that, and then they get Texas at home. Um, that's, that's brutal. That's as tough of a three-game stretch as anybody's going to have in the league. So as good as OU's played the last couple games, um, you know, even the loss to Texas Tech wasn't a bad loss. You know, you, eventually your luck was going to run out without having Reeves and such, and they still competed uh, for – for the folks at home for entertainment purposes, they did cover the spread that night. Um, but OU's playing good. Uh, credit to Lon Kruger and company for uh, putting them in that position of where they're at uh, right now. Um, Kansas, my, my Jayhawks, um, oh, my gosh. It has been a disaster. This is the worst Kansas team since uh, a minute. It's been a while. They're barely hanging on to the top 25 ranking, uh, sitting at 23rd, 12 and 6. 
Um, you know, even the other night, Tom, I'm watching that K-State game. And, you know, K-State is, you know, so bad. Um, but I'm watching this K-State game. And even then I was saying to myself, I'm like, you know, KU ended up winning that game by more than 20 points. But, I mean, they did it just because they were more talented. They didn't play special in that game at all. It was, I was like, I'm like, I almost rather watch paint dry. I mean, there's nothing, you know, that this team just does well, that they do right. Um, you know, they're winning with – they beat K-State because K-State's got no talent. You know, they, they won based on their talent, not because of the, the, the fundamentals they did right and such. Now, there is one stat for Kansas that does stand out. They are 8-2 and two this year when David McCormick gets a double-double. So that, that's one thing, I guess, that goes away. If, if McCormick can get more double-doubles, then that means victories. Okay, you got that. But that just seems so weird that we're talking about a Kansas team that just is inconsistent and is trying to win on talent instead of just doing things the right way. That's very unbill self-like. Yeah, it is. And especially, you know, I know they lost players last year after, you know, going to – I mean, last year they could have won the won the whole thing, um, but you know, this year you lose a few players, and it just doesn't seem doesn't seem like the same KU that we know and love at all. It, it's a very weird feeling. Um, here's an analogy for you, Tom. See what you think of this. I would say this Kansas team. It feels like someone who doesn't study for the test and just wings it and hopes to come out with a good result. Sometimes it goes in your favor. You end up with an A and you, and uh, you're breathing a sigh of relief. Other times you just bomb that test and it was awful. You failed. Some days you, you get out with a C. It was good enough, whatever it may be. That's what it feels like is that this Kansas team is not putting in the work during the week that they need to, that they're not pat. They're not taking the time to study for that test. Yeah, it doesn't look like they studied a whole lot at all. Just kind of rolled out of bed and, you know, you know, thought that, you know, hey, maybe we can still do this and we'll just, you know, do our best. And it's just hasn't been enough this season. And, and in a in a freaking conference like the Big 12, you, you got to study. Was, was that uh, was that your academic career, Tom? Uh, some of it, um, some of it, but, um, you know. A lot of it was a lot of it was A's. A lot of it was not A's. <laughs> but I was never a, a big studier. Oh no! Um, no. But my, some my, of the stuff uh, I did have to study for. My best success in college was uh, was finding the uh, the the flashcards that somebody already put the answers to everything. Did the study guide for me and uh, and uh, had that ready for the test. So that was me. Uh, yeah, Quizlet was the goat. Oh. Quizlet with the OG, I'll tell you what. Um, in Texas, 11-4, uh, Shock is doing a good job there. Um, you know, and that team, I know that, you know, the, the loss to Oklahoma wasn't what they wanted. Um, the game against Baylor the other night, uh, you know, Baylor took it to them. They, they didn't get the game against Kentucky. That ultimately cost the Big 12, the SEC Big 12 challenge of that game being canceled. Texas not getting what they wanted. They've had, you know, several games postponed here in the last couple of weeks. 
I'm not worried about Texas. I'm not. That team is going to be okay. They're just going through a little rough stretch of a couple of games that didn't go their way, some postponements. They're, they're a little out of whack. Let them get back on track. Texas is going to be okay. Um, they get Oklahoma State this this Saturday. That game is going to be awesome to watch between the Longhorns and folks. OSU at 11-5. Texas at 11-4. Uh, uh, OSU just lost uh, – tonight to uh, TCU, 81 to 78. And uh, I, I did some research, Tom. I, unlike Kansas, did my homework going into this show. And uh, this Oklahoma State team, it sounds like that the NCAA is not going to be done with the appeal till after the month of April. And that with that being said, with the appeals process, any punishment that OSU were to receive does not get enforced. It gets pushed back until the appeal decision has been made. So if you're Oklahoma, if you're an Oklahoma State fan like Tom here, uh, you know, if you if you like Cade Cunningham and want to see him in the tournament and, and Mike Boynton, unless the NCAA all of a sudden doesn't and, you know, picks up their workload, which does not seem to be how they operate. They, they go on their own time. They don't operate they, – they operate like snails over there. You know, they, they don't do anything fast. Unless they all of a sudden, you know, change up their, their uh, pace. Um, based on seeding, looks like they'd be about a six or seven seed right now. Continue to take care of business. You know, win the games you're supposed to. All indications show that OSU should be in the NCAA tournament, which is great for OSU, uh, considering all the uh, factors that we were talking about before the season began. Yeah, it is, and and should have took care of business against TCU. And should that's a that's a game they they'll want back. But um, yeah, I'm happy. Those you know those guys never did anything wrong to begin with. None of those players did, um, and and. I think NCAA knows that, kind of push that appeal back, especially they obviously want Cade Cunningham in the NCAA tournament too. So I'm sure that has to do something with it. Well, and uh, on top of that too with Oklahoma State, I'll, I'll wrap up the Big 12 discussion on this, is uh, you know I, I think that you look at, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, I think you want to see this team in the tournament. Cade Cunningham's not going to be back next year. They're going to be losing a couple other guys. I would be shocked if that the Oklahoma State team next year is as good as this year's team. If if a team has to take a punishment of some sorts, if it if it, if that's ultimately what this comes down to, I think if you're Oklahoma State, you gladly make it next year's team uh, if you have to choose between the two right now. Oh yeah, I mean you're only going to get one year out of Cade Cunningham. Uh, I mean you got to you got to make it. You got to shake it out, right? You got to you got to take your opportunity now. Obviously, I don't see OSU winning the national championship, um, but it it will showcase Mike Boynton and what he's done to this program since Travis Ford. Um, I don't really count Brad Underwood at all, um, and so for what it's worth, uh, you know, it's going to showcase Boynton and what he's been able to do with this OSU team, and probably get him a little bit better recruiting. Tend to say if they you know missed out on the tournament. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Tom, where are we going to head to this time? Jones, we're going to McD's, Mickey D's, McDonald's, Gold Marches. It's it's a, it's an American staple. Um, 
and I will take no McDonald's slander ever. Uh, I haven't had McDonald's actually in quite some time, but it's still just a staple in every community almost in America. But Jones, at before we get started, what's your favorite McDonald's item? Um, I like the Big Mac, probably best. Um, the the Big Mac is my go-to. My mom, when she, when I was two years old. Uh, she fed me a Big Mac and she took out the middle bun and I ate the whole thing. And I've loved it ever since. Dang. That's uh, that, that is a classic. I'd have to say I go for the McDouble. Now, Jones, breakfast at McDonald's. What's your go-to? Ooh, um, that's an easy one for me, actually. It's the uh, bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. Okay, I went solid. I always go for the breakfast burritos. Now, Jones, would you, how, you know, if you were waiting in line at McDonald's and uh, you didn't get your your breakfast and they said, oh, just kidding, we're serving lunch now. You can't get your biscuit with bacon, egg, and cheese. Would you be upset if you were already in the line? Uh, yes, because this did happen to me actually not too long ago. I was upset about this. So you, you were in line for breakfast, but breakfast time ran out and you were not served breakfast. Yes, that's exactly what happened. This was right after, too, when uh, when COVID uh, caused uh, McDonald's to shut down the 24-hour breakfast. Uh, and they went back to closing breakfast at, at 1030. And uh, I was in line for breakfast. And they uh, as I got to order the chef breakfast down. Well, Jones, uh, hopefully you didn't call the police like this lady. Huh. Uh, because McDonald's customer calls police because she missed breakfast due to long drive through line. And authorities wrote that the woman was given advice about when to call the police. Uh, I'm trying to figure out where it's at. A police in, oh, it's in England. We're, we're across the pond. Police in England recently shared that they received an unexpected call from a McDonald's customer. Apparently, she was very upset that the long line at the drive-thru made her too late to get breakfast. Trying to read more. At 11.30 this morning from an angry lady who stayed a due to the queue at the McDonald's drive-thru in wherever EG is in England. Uh, by the time, maybe East Gloucestershire, by the time she got to the window, the breakfast service was stopped and she couldn't order breakfast the lady was given words of advice about ringing police. That was a tweet. Um, I accidentally clicked on it. Sorry. Um, but the incident occurred at McDonald's in East Grinstead in West Sussex, Yahoo reports. According to reports, the woman got in line for the drive through before 11 a.m., but didn't reach the window until after breakfast cutoff time had passed. She apparently responded by calling this to the police. Oh, I thought they were going to give us the video here. Um that is a shame. That's, that's terrible. Post concludes with the inspector writing lady was given the words of advice about ringing the police. Uh, McDonald's in England and the UK do not serve all day breakfast. According to McDonald's websites, there are currently no plans to introduce it. In the US, however, McDonald's previously introduced all day breakfast several years ago. Unfortunately, like you said, Jones, last March, the chain had to adjust its menu in response to COVID-19 and all day breakfast was temporarily removed from the menu. Um, Jones, I would be mad, but I would never be that mad to call the police. I mean, there's no way there's no, what, what are the police going to do? Make them serve you breakfast? 
<laughs> right? What what are they supposed to do at that point? Yeah, I mean that's that's the Tom Fuller portion of it. Like what what did what did she think she was going to get accomplished other than making a scene? Right. I mean those uh, workers are told when to stop serving. It's not like they just wanted to not serve her breakfast. Okay, here's my question though, and, and you know I, I I'm not condoning her behavior one bit. Don't get me wrong here, but. Why can't McDonald's do 24-7 breakfast? That's what I don't understand with these places that cut off breakfast is, is there's something. Now, granted, uh, I will say this. I never worked in food service. But why is it that you can't just serve the same menu throughout the day? Um, you know, if I go to Perkins or I go to IHOP, I, the same menu is available all the time. Why can't it be that way? I don't get that. Yeah, you would think, I mean, they just didn't run out of every food imaginable for breakfast. I mean, at the end of the day, they're probably just scrapping it. And so I'm just kind of wondering, like, well, what happened to that? Uh, You know, why did, yeah, they didn't just throw it all away all of a sudden. There's no way. There's no way they just scrapped it all. Right. That doesn't make sense to me. Where, Where did the breakfast food go? That I wouldn't call the police over. I would just take the L on the chin and call it a day at that point, just because it's like, who calls the police for on McDonald's now? Like, I mean, you know, that's that's more ridiculous than the person, you know, like the Waterburger commercial where the the guy doesn't get on the flight because he won't give up his Waterburger. I'm still getting on the flight. There's, I mean, that's pretty ridiculous, but that's probably not as ridiculous is calling the police. Right. Um, I, I love They're both. That, those are both Tom Fullery, if the Whataburger's a real true story. Right. I love McDonald's. Don't get me wrong, but this, this is a bit of a reach. This is a bit of a stretch. I'll give Mickey D's the, the benefit of the doubt in uh, this case. Tom, uh, my dad, Charlie Jones, uh, who you know, um, he is uh, he's from Venita, Oklahoma originally, which is – home to the uh, previous world's largest McDonald's. You ever been to that McDonald's there in Venita? I did. I did. We used to, uh, I'm trying to think what we went there for, but we took a choir trip there in like middle school or high school for some choir or something. Maybe we went to Miami. Yeah, we went to Miami for like a choir competition and we did stop there. That's when it was still the world's largest at that point. And now it's like some McDonald's in Japan or something like that. Yeah, they had to outdo us. Yeah, that was coming eventually. Well, and uh, my dad, he says, this was before I was born. It's always been, you know, a, a giant McDonald's there across the highway there in Benita. Um, But before I was born, it was like this really nice, fine dining place. Like this, they, they served steak and such that, you know, people enjoyed. And and uh, he, he was told me, like, he said, uh when they sold that and turned that to a McDonald's, the whole town was pissed. Like, really? They're making that into a McDonald's? We're losing this great restaurant to McDonald's? Damn right, you're getting a McDonald's. You're getting the world's largest McDonald's. Right, that's going to draw in more tourism uh, than than uh, anything else. Right? They got, like, a gift shop there. You can get, like, some commemorative stuff, at least when it was the world's largest anyway, to identify you're at the world's largest McDonald's. Um, that was cool. I think too, Tom, I, I believe that, uh, 
I think when I was in elementary school that we uh, we took a field trip up there at some point too. And yeah, what an easy field trip that is, you know. You go to the uh, every kid loves McDonald's. I don't I don't give a shit who it is. Right? Every kid loves McDonald's. I used to like it was like my sister did this like back in the day like we used to want McDonald's like driving around my mom would intentionally not drive by it because we would be like, "Oh, I'll go to McDonald's." <laughs> like uh, and I can't be the only one. And it is true. The ice cream machine is broken about 50% of the time. Oh, it always is. I don't know. I think at this point, they like the running joke so much. They purposely keep those ice cream machines down. Uh, Tom, uh, my sister, she used to work at a McDonald's. And uh, she told me what the real story is with the ice cream machine being broken. Would you want to know or would you like to keep that uh, a secret of sorts? Was it like moldy inside? So what it is, is uh, that the reason why they say it's actually broken is a uh, newsflash. Most of the time, it's not really broken. It's that they're cleaning it. And McDonald's has them set up where they have to be cleaned like every eight hours or so. And it's easier for them to say that the ice cream machine is broken than trying to explain that the machine is being cleaned because people assume that if it's being cleaned, then they can just still get they can still get ice cream. Right. Yeah. That that makes sense. That's a, sometimes just saying no is a lot easier than having to explain yourself. Right. Uh, I don't so, blame them. I'm not going to call the police though. Right. Because the ice cream machine's down. <laughs> <laughs> so there's something folks learned today: the ice cream machine McDonald's not really broken. Uh, and it has to do with the cleaning that uh, goes on there. But I, I like McDonald's. Uh, I will never go wrong with McDonald's. Uh, if the Chiefs, and this is not a free plug for McDonald's, this is just you know, stating the fact. Um, I think the, the reason why I put on like a freshman 15 or 20, Tom, was when I moved to Lawrence, uh, the Kansas City McDonald's, they still do this too. If the Chiefs got a sack, then the following day, they do buy one, get one free Big Macs. And as a freshman on a, you know, with no money, and all I could afford to eat out was McDonald's, you better believe that in 2014, that Chiefs team that I think went like 9-7 and seven or 10-6, and six, but you better believe they got at least one sack every week. I made my way to McDonald's almost every Monday my freshman year. You wouldn't have got very many Big Macs this year. No, no, not. Uh, it would have been hit and miss this year. It would have been. And now Frank Clark would have been up to his game. He's going to need some buy one, get one Big Macs this week. Uh, right. He's going to have to go to work this week. As, as long as he didn't call the police, if he didn't get a sack. Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Chiefs, he did an ad one time for McDonald's. He, uh, he said, it's not a cheeseburger. It's a Chiefs burger. I remember that. <laughs> The Chiefs burger, they, yeah, they should. They, they have to uh, take advantage of that for sure. That's it's too close, especially with Andy Reid. You know, he he loves a good Chiefs burger. Oh, you know, Andy says his favorite food's a cheeseburger. Um, I know that he he probably has his favorite nice cheeseburgers to eat and such. There's no way that man doesn't every once in a while just go through the McDonald's drive-through. Oh, you know he does. Because I mean, I'll be the first to tell you, I had some, I've had some great cheeseburgers in my life, but 
great thing about McDonald's, it's literally consistent every time. Right? I, I, it's very hard, very hard pressed to not go to McDonald's and get the same product I do at any other McDonald's I go to in the United States. It literally all tastes the same. You know exactly what you're going to get. And sometimes consistency is better than not knowing. Oh, yeah. Tom, I don't care if I was making a million dollars. I would still eat at McDonald's and shop at Walmart. Now, I'm not the biggest Walmart fan. I'm not either, but sometimes you just got to do what you got to do and get through it. Right, if it's if that's what's there. If I'm going to have to pick one, it's going to be a Reese's, but Walmart does have some stuff, obviously, that Reese's does not. Yeah. Um, so, I'll, I mean... Maybe I'll go to Target more if, uh, if I was a little richer or something, but... Uh, I'm uh, I'm gonna be on the Costco train now. I'm gonna give that a shot, but I'm still not. There, there's no. I'm not too bougie to stay away from Walmart. I, I won't cross that bridge. It's not that I'm too bougie to not want to go. It's just there's too many people. But yeah, Costco, great option. Uh, best queso in America. Best store bought queso in America. I believe it. Uh, on that note, Tom. Uh... Let's go. Let's go leave and go grab some McDonald's uh, and uh, cheer on the Chiefs of Victory this Sunday. Uh, win or lose, we will recap it all on Monday for a very interesting edition of the uh, Jones Report. We're either going to have a, a celebration or a uh, sob story of some sorts. Nonetheless, hope you join us. We'll see you then. As always, uh, you can follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones 5, Tyler Jones Media Group. Uh, Instagram, Jones underscore report, Tyler Jones Live, uh, Insta Thomas, and uh, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live at Thomas underscore Bridges, and uh, also uh, TJ Media Group. You can find us there. Subscribe to the show, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five star review, or don't leave us one at all. And we'll see you right back here on Monday for Thomas Bridges, Brian O'Connor, Jason Lamb. Our entire crew of Toddler Jones saying so long. It's been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you on Monday.